Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. We, I think we had 70 players, I think, uh, yeah. trying, trying. And that was hard work because um was getting more, getting to full time then. And uh, I think we're training 13 days out of 14. We're given one day off every fortnight. Uh, so generous. And so, yeah, exactly. Well, we had to do that because if you look at the fitness level, we had to get to a certain level. And uh, so then I think that went from 70 to 52, I think. Yep. So, yep. Um, from that point of view, and we had restrictions on who we could recruit and all that type of thing. So, so we had to make the most of what we had. So, and I think we, uh, you know, that, that season, I think we first game was against Hawthorne and we gave them a bit of a shock. So, sure did. um, but, but it was hard work because a lot of these guys had never flown to Sydney or Melbourne or, you know, Perth. So, um, if you look at that, uh, you, you're going away, then you're staying at a hotel and you, you know, you're, from that, you're away from your family and, and your friends and that. So there's an adjustment there to start with. A lot of a lot of the uh, games in Melbourne were played suburban ovals, Moorabbin, yeah. uh, Windy Hill, mm-hmm. Victoria Park. So they've never been there. So we'd always try and get there. You know, the day we flew into Melbourne, we'd try and you know take the bus out of Tullamarine and always you know, organise to go to an oval. Um, so the guys get familiar with it. So, um, but certainly. I know the funny story with Graham Allen. I rang Gubby before we played Collingwood, Victoria Park, and I said to Gub, look, we're coming in on Friday morning. Can uh, we just cruise past before we go to the hotel to look at the goat? He said, no, you're not coming in. I said, sorry? <laughs> he said, no. He said, no way. He said, I'm, he said not going to let you bees, buddy, come in here and look at our oval. I said, well, I said, most of the team, most of the players haven't even seen the place. He said, well, he said I don't give a hell. You, you're not coming in. I said, okay. Little did Gubby know, I knew the curator extremely well. So I, ra- <laughs> I rang the curator up and I said, mate, listen, we, I didn't tell him I spoke to Gubby. And I said, look, we're coming at this time. And he said, um, can you unlock the back gates for me? I wasn't going to go around the front where Gubby works. I said, open the back gates up for me. We'll go in the back street and we'll go in and take the players in. He said, no worries, Mick, I'll do that. I said, what time you be? I said, oh, about 11.30. So off we go. And Cormsey says to me, you sure you organise? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him the story. He said, Gubby might go and lock the gate. I said, Gubby knows nothing about it. So in we go. <laughs> We've all gone on to Victoria Park and there's Gubby's coming out of his office. Well, he's given it to me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you traitor, you. <laughs> 
was quite funny. Oh, so, no, that's a great, that's I, very yeah, well played, King I, I, Exactly. So, um, but little did Gubby know that I knew the curator quite well. So he organised, and I thanked the curator after. It didn't help us, but certainly, uh, it was Lisa was, you know, a bit, a bit of a step forwards for the boys to see the ground. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete. Once again, uh, joined by Malcolm and uh, Michael Taylor, just giving us a little bit of uh, insight into the way things work at Collingwood there. And Kingo, well played, getting one up on Gubby Allen. Very, very, very well played by Kingo indeed. And yeah, he was great, as always, very modest and very honest. And yeah, he's a quality bloke. Really is. Amazing how some clubs you play with them, uh, you are everything to that club. You then go to another club, absolutely not. We're not doing a thing for you. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was absolutely the good. Fact, yeah, he's played four years, twice runner up the Copeland, but no, no, etc. So, yes. It was very good. Thank you uh, to Kingo for that one. Around the grounds. On Around the Grounds today, we'll have a little bit of a look at Adelaide United, uh, the SNFLW and the SNFLW state team, um, and uh, a little bit more of a look at the netball. But uh, we're going to kick off tonight, mate, with the AFL. Uh, Big announcement uh, today. Tasmania are officially being granted the 19th licence. Yeah, huge news. Look, I I won't deny that I think it should be a relocated side. I've I've always said that. Um, Let's... I will be honest, a little bit more information came out of things which have happened in the past with some stuff I'm doing with Uni Footy Club at mm-hmm. the moment. And St Kilda nearly ended up down there a few years ago, which was because they were in financial troubles and the link with Daryl Baldock and St Kilda, it yep. did make real sense, but yep. that fell away and let's just say that person wasn't complimentary about North Melbourne as well, which was very interesting following on Wayne Jackson's comments yep. about North Melbourne. So there's a couple of damning things there about the Roos as well. Uh, with obviously Tasmania getting a 19th team, it's important that, uh, that you know, this works for Tasmania. Do we still, still see Hawthorne and North Melbourne utilising Tasmania so that way there's almost a, a game on every other weekend? So every weekend in Tasmania? I don't think so. I, I doubt whether that'll happen because the Tasmanian government won't keep putting money in that. You know, they've poured millions into those two, which made Sicily's comments pretty poor considering yep. the sponsorship money they were getting out of it. Yeah, it was a throwaway line, but it was just a dumb throwaway Absolutely. line. Absolutely. And, and obviously it's a roofed stadium. We yeah. we talked about it a little bit last week going the original uh, plans weren't for a roof and, and we did talk about the capacity at 23,000 yeah. that it was probably a smart move to have a slightly smaller boutique stadium uh, undercover, which makes more sense uh, that you sell the thing out every weekend. With supply and demand, they'll be the they'll be to the demand. That way, they can premium prices. Your budgeting can be worked out on a sold out stadium. 
I think it makes far more sense than 40-odd thousand yep. and that personally. So, yeah, I, I've been a bit amused with criticism there. People forget, hang on, the Americans with their population have, have smaller stadiums. Yes. Um, you know, it does work in terms of selling it out with complete season ticketing. What they'll do is probably sell out 19,000. Yep. And have four thousand for the opposition, something like that, or twenty thousand, which makes 3, sense. 000. Yeah. So I, I think it's common sense. I, I think the statistic I heard today, uh, being bandied around a little bit, was that uh, Hobart's population forty percent basically live within that Hobart metropolitan area, so to speak. Whereas uh, here in South Australia and Melbourne, I think it's up around about the seventy-five or seventy-eight percent, and WA is around the sixty-five yeah. to seventy percent. So it does make sense that the the number is a little bit smaller as far as that goes. And I think the atmosphere is going to be fantastic with a smaller ground. I mean, we saw that during Gather Round at Nord Oval and the yes, Mount Barker, that was and, fantastic. And uh, we're going to see that at the Barossa hopefully next year as yeah. well. Um, so it does make much more sense to do it that way. Yeah. Probably the one question, like Tim Harcourt has written a pretty comprehensive uh, thing on the financial side of it. Probably the one thing they're going to have to improve and do a fair bit of work on apparently is their public transport in Tasmania. Their access down there is pretty poor. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see where they're set up to hopefully fix that. But it's a bit of a case of if you build it, they will come. come. So, you know, then that gives the government a chance to yeah. to build their uh, policies around and infrastructure around the stadium. So yep. I think it's a bit of a win-win for all. And then obviously hotels in the area, uh, shopping precincts. Uh, it can only be a positive thing financially for, for Tasmania, but... The team uh, twenty twenty eight is going to be the the yeah. year that it's going to, to to come in. I must admit, I, I found it amusing Colin Carter with his bit because he's done the paper and was the person pushing that he's saying the talent pools increase. Well, I'm going to hang on. There's more and more sides. Well, no, it hasn't increased. Mm. I, I thought that was a bizarre. I that, think it just gets around the uh, population. Uh, he did the study for yeah. uh, or the paper, I suppose, for Gold Coast, GWS. And I think Fremantle, from memory, but yeah. potentially anyway, uh, coming into the competition, um, a lot of that was based around obviously uh, the population in Australia back in twenty yeah. fifteen sixteen is around about uh, four or five more million people in mm. in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two. So they're basing it upon statistics of yep. numbers. So yep. I can sort of see where that's coming from, but. Really, at the end of the day, grassroots is where it's at and you really need yeah. to be building from the base. And that's – apparently they're tipping a lot of money to try and fix because the Tasmanian grassroots footy is – you know, hey, league footy's fallen away here. Yeah. Hey, but league footy here is still fantastic compared yep. to down there. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how much patchwork they can do to fix that. That's a bit of the north-south yeah. rivalry that yeah. they just uh, – they're like kissing cousins sometimes. Yeah, that they just don't weird. get on well and it just doesn't doesn't work. We sort of can't comprehend no, and understand that. It's a so, unique situation. Yeah. I think that's what we've got to take into account that, you know, that the stadium that, that we built here in Adelaide, uh, you know, made sense. Uh, yeah. It helped the Riverbank, it helped the city prosper. Um, obviously, Perth Stadium, Optus Stadium, almost the same. You can't compare those two because no. Hobart's a very unique environment. Yep, spot on. They've got a unique um, playing environment as well. So they've got to make sure that they're catering to all parties and. And obviously using the other grounds at North and South that they have Yeah, been it'll using. be interesting to see how they do it. It will be, actually. Yeah.
All right, mate. Uh, congratulations to Tasmania. Officially um, anointed, I suppose, today, the 19th licence. So um, and I we'll hope, watch that one. I hope the Devils does get up. They're saying that it might get approved. That, I, it's the obvious that, name, so I hope it does get up. That actually leads me to my last point on that one, was the name. What, uh, what name were you hoping for? And you've just obviously yeah. told us. I'm in the same boat. I think it should yeah. be the Devils. Warner Brothers, if you haven't caught up with it, yeah. um, it's been all over the, the news. Warner Brothers apparently hold the the naming rights, I suppose, for the Tasmanian Devil, which seems crazy. But then again, an American company holds yeah. the patent for Ugg boots, so, and that's very, very Australian as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Is it a case of a bit of goodwill? Hopefully. Fingers I crossed. will say on the funny side of it, I did like, uh, out of all the ones today, I did like the Tassie maps. So I thought that was okay. quite clever. Their Obvious underrating reason. team is uh, nicknamed the Mar- Mariners. Yeah, and there's the Jumping Jacks with the basketball. basketball yep. So who knows? But, yeah, I just hope the Green Guernsey with the Tassie, Tassie map and Tassie Devils gets up. Yep. Because that's – you're actually then getting a new club with a bit of tradition. What about – I heard one on the radio tonight on the way home from work. Uh, Tasmania United. Sounds a bit soccerish, but – Really, at the end of the day, you're trying to unite yeah. north and south uh, islands there. Maybe, maybe, maybe. not. Anyway, maybe. Uh, it's we, funny we out of that. When Gather Round first got started, announced, I thought, what a dumb title. It's weak. Yeah, that really grew on me. In the end, I thought it was perfect. So, yeah, but Tasmania United. And the NRO having their magic round this weekend, this weekend yes. as well. So, uh, I think Gather Round was probably the right way to frame it. And, oh, I think it, and yeah. everybody did gather here oh, in SA, and it was a huge, so. huge event. So, yeah. All right, mate, we move on. Uh, round seven completed. Uh, Port Adelaide v St Kilda. Surprise? A little bit. Look, I, I wasn't prepared to tip Port with Marshall out, and I thought it's going to struggle to kick enough goals. And then I was still kept thinking, but they have got the wood all over St Kilda. Now, that now makes it 13 of their last 14 Port have beaten St Kilda. It's just funny how one team gets the real psychological bit over it. And fantastic. I I am so jacked off with this ridiculous booing for Jason Horn Francis. Yep. So I loved it that he dominated. And, you know, I'm That's certainly obviously not a Port supporter. And, yeah, look, I, the, I loved it that he... The young man got it, obviously, two or three weeks ago. And it's, since it's then, garbage. he's... Uh, He's gone to another level, but you know, at the end of the day, he shouldn't have to to, to deal with that there. Uh, yes, I'm in the same boat. Uh, how can Port Adelaide have such an advantage over St Kilda in their last six it's or seven weird. outings? Weird. And I believe that their last eleven games at uh, Marvel Stadium, uh, they've they've won there. Yeah, it's at least the last eight. Yep. Yeah, so it, it is. It's somewhere there, in there. It's there really fantastic. They so. might want to might want to move from Adelaide oh. Oval to Marvel Stadium, maybe. That'll that'll um, oh, South Australians. We've always wanted to move port out. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> might work. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, the Brisbane Lions uh, defeating um, the Dockers. Frio. Yeah, now four in a row. They're probably getting into form. I think Carlton Brisbane's the game of the round this weekend. Yep. Because um, that's the question mark against Brisbane. You know, yep. they were poor here against Port, poor against Western Bulldogs down in Melbourne. Yep. So. It's a big test for him Friday night. Absolutely. Uh, the Swans and the Giants playing out an absolute thriller and once again Toby Green dominating with the uh, go- winning goal in the end. But, geez, his last quarter was fantastic. Yeah, it was funny because I heard the score four up and then I'd, I was, I'd commentated um, under-18s game, was driving to Uni Oval and just didn't worry about it. Yep. Checking the score. And... Uh, 
uh, Heathy uh, went, hey, Giants are a point up, so we watched the last minute at, uh, there from there. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, and the goal, it's a great goal. Uh, do we take much from Sydney's form at the moment? I mean, injuries are obviously uh, hurting them like a few other teams. Um, but like I said last week, and I mentioned that GWS, I've, I've been quite impressed with their endeavour. Uh, once again, it came and uh, and it got them over the line. And again, Taylor out. I thought, nah, they'll probably fall away a little bit yep. as well. So yeah, same thing. Didn't so, ha- didn't have enough oomph to tip them. Adam Adam Kingsley's um, got them up and up and going yeah, a little bit at the moment. Yeah. yeah, they're probably missing a little bit of talent, but gee, they're playing some really good. Yeah, football. they're having a crack. Absolutely, and that's all you can ask. Do we make much of the Brett Kirk uh, Toby Green medal presentation? Not really. Nah, no. I think it was. Uh, you know, it's uh, one of those games that yeah. you know he wasn't too. Jack Absolutely, yeah. It makes it hard. Um, the Western Bulldogs beating Hawthorne. Yep, as predicted. I think Hawthorne were pretty competitive again. So, you know, they're having a Still fair a dip as well. But, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Melbourne making an absolute mess of North Melbourne at one stage. Yeah, pretty average Saturday night's footy. It, it was, actually. And it became the joke who was going to win out of Melbourne, uh, out of uh, West Coast, West Coast and North Melbourne. There as was a cliffhanger. Points, yes. and, yeah. So the jokes were flying back yep. and forth. Yeah, but a pretty average Saturday night. I think at one stage I saw a little photo floating around that they had the uh, score of the yeah. Carlton uh, West Coast yeah. in the bottom of the screen and they had the Melbourne North, and it was exactly the same yeah. score at one stage. So, yeah, a little bit bit of weird sort of on the other side of the country and the same scores sort of uh, going about. But, yeah, Melbourne were very impressive yeah. and, you know, they did what they had to do and I think they're building quite nicely as well. Yeah. Carlton, I did say uh, that Carlton travelled well to Perth uh, and sure did. Uh, Charlie Kerner kicking nine. 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 Yeah, mind you, I reckon you and I might get a game for West Coast at the moment. So. I certainly agree with you that they're struggling in an internal oh, trial and, and, yeah. I, and I'm just going through some of our notes uh, on West Coast at the moment, they're uh, they're in big trouble once again. They've lost a player to suspension and also another couple of injuries. So, well, they're saying that every player, fit player on their list, is going to get will play. That's, They've only got twenty six fit players. That's unbelievable. Yeah, in this day and age, that is unbelievable. Staggering. All right, and then we move to Sunday. Geelong v the Essendon Bombers. Yeah, Geelong just a bit too good, a um, bit too good in attack. It was a high-scoring game, especially at half-time. I think it was 14 goals to nine yep. at half-time. Uh, Hawkins, Hawkins, I think, ended up with eight, I think. Yep. It was his, his greatest ever go, uh, tally. Yep. Pretty fair effort with how many games he's played. Absolutely. Um, and he's just in real good nick again now. Started the season slowly because he had, did very little pre-season. Yeah, I heard Chris Scott talk about oh, that uh, on Monday night. Uh, he was saying that... Um, the decision to let him build into the season and have a couple of weeks. They had a young fella that's coming up and coming. They wanted to sort of play him early on the season, give Hawkins a bit of time. Uh, he got injured yeah. just in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, and the decision was, no, we'll play him and we'll build him into form. And mm. wow, yeah. <laughs> this week was was a uh, shining light. But I suppose that highlights uh, Geelong's forward line, isn't it? That Cameron can bob up one week and he can kick six, yeah. six, six or seven. He has a slightly quieter one. Hawkins bobs up and he kicks six or seven, or in this case, eight. So and Stengel's out injured. That's the scary part as well. Right. Um, yeah. So Geelong, you know, building quite nicely. Yeah. Um, Dangerfield obviously started the season pretty slowly, but again, we talked about it a bit last week. You know, oldest list last year. 
did play, obviously, right through to the grand final. They did start a little bit later than most teams, and they have just taken those few weeks just to find their feet. Jeez, he's away again, Dangerfield. And can I put him at about a dollar one to get BOG this week? He could be very, very close to it. He's like a fine wine. He's getting yeah. better with age. Uh, the Suns v Richmond. This one was my surprise for the weekend. A little bit. But again, i tell you what, and I am pleased this has come back to haunt. Hardwick's comments against Marvel Stadium a couple of years ago were just so dumb and that he's allowed, effectively, the players have got an escape clause. Yes. We don't want to play That was Marvel. what I was going to ask. It's just ridiculous. Does that play on the players' oh. mind going, well, he's already sort of said that we don't, we don't like playing there, so we, yeah, yeah. we don't like playing it's, there. It's just dumb. Absolutely. And, and the Suns, I think, fantastic to, to yeah, win on the good. road. Yeah. We did mention it that, you know, it was a bit of a toss of the coin and there were a few key matchups that were going to decide the game. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with the Suns this year. I think they've done well. And that was without Tuke Miller, which is one of their, yeah, their, of their, their guns, guns as well. And, look, while you'd expect Melbourne to beat them up there, you'd, you'd give them an outside chance. We move to the last game of the round, which was uh, much anticipated. The first game of the round was anticipated, oh. and then the last game was much anticipated. Adelaide shot themselves in the foot, losing, obviously, by a point. Uh, but early on, they had some real easy chances at goal, didn't they? Oh, they should have been 7-8 at halftime, game over. I will say, though, that they're kicking for goal, deplorable, but the coaching, deplorable. I, I think this, this is... Matthew Nix and their coaching panels, worst coaching performance yep. for the year and overall. To one selection with, I, yeah, I'm going on about it, but McHenry got votes in the last game he played. Murphy's playing in front of him. For mine, Murphy's just the honest battler. Yep. McHenry's far more off for four, but at least that's just opinion. Yep. But I'm sorry, to take Saligo off was a massive error, which Nix has at least has a He has sense. come out tonight and said that, yep, if I had my time again, but that was my not the trigger I'd pull. Big. Beef is Riley O'Brien. And I can't believe he got three coaches' votes. He has not improved his ruck craft since day one. Mm-hmm. You knew Adelaide were going to win the tap outs. Why are you just hitting to the same spot? Where's your variation? All all O'Brien does every time it's hit to nine o'clock, where's the variation? You're going to beat Frampton in the ruck. Mm-hmm. Belt, belt shit out of it. Go forward a bit. Yep. Surely you can vary your craft enough to knock it out wide yep. at three o'clock on the other side. And Twelve nothing at clearances in the last quarter when Adelaide are winning the hit out mm-hmm. is deplorable. The midfield very much on notice as well. Yep, but poor, poor ruck work, and they went just too defensive. They tried to save the game instead mm-hmm. of going at three quarter time. They're sixteen points up. Yep, if we kick three goals, we win. Yep, why have they got play? They played Dawson so deep in that last quarter and in virtually invited. After Collingwood have run over Eston the week before, instead of going, hang on, we know they play the game out. We've got to kick goals. Yep. I'm sorry. All right. Dumb, dumb, dumb. (laughs) I'm going to give a little bit of a difference of opinion, I suppose, with Riley O'Brien because I sort of agree with you in some respects. But there has been a changing of that midfield. Now, you've got players that are coming in there like Rochelle. Um, uh, Pedlo has he played a couple of bounce, done a couple of bounces. Yeah, You've got yeah, Sloney yeah. coming back, obviously, um, and and a few new faces in there. Is it a case of that they haven't spent enough time together yet to understand that ruck craft, or or is it a case of get together before the bounce? I'm going here. Let's go I, there. For mine, there just hasn't been enough practice of variation. 
it where was the courage to practice in the week? Right. Riley's going to win in the ruck this week, boys. Yep. We're going to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Where's Riley? Belt shit out of it. Well, let's gain 30 metres. Yep. You're meeting a, a Riley Philthorpe at pace and giving off. Let's get there. Yes, Riley, come on. Yep. You've got Matty Clark as one of the coaches. He's one of the great – who tap rucking was the one thing he was good at. Yes. Surely out of that there should have been some variation. Yep. You know, for mine, they had to just be more aggressive and practice that, that they are going to win yep. the tap. Now, let's practice our variations. Absolutely. For mine, they didn't. They just kept doing the same thing. Do you see Thilthorpe being more proactive with some of that changing of the angles, changing of the I think the so in time. Yep. But he's still got to beef up a bit more. Yep. But, yeah, I think we thought the port, the showdown game was going to be his breakout game, and it hasn't really worked yep. after that since. And a little bit greasy on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I would have used Thilthorpe a bit more. Yep. Uh, you talked about, and I totally agree with you, that Adelaide tried to save the game. Yep. It was almost like oh. they knew Collingwood were coming and it was like, all right, we've done enough. We're going to batten down the hatches and we're going to absorb everything that, yeah. that comes at us. Wrong frame of mind. Oh, very much so. I'm, I, yes, they'd been missing goals, but they'd been playing They crowded really, the opportunities. Yes, correct. Come on, guys. Let's, just cop, let's capitalise on the opportunities. Let's finish yep. off. Right. Be aggressive. I, no, I thought it was really poor coaching yep. and, yeah, poor execution. Okay, so then my question becomes, was Collingwood's perceived pressure, because we know that they're going to come no matter what happens, that they've done it time and time yeah. and time again, that perceived pressure almost frightened Adelaide into playing two defensively. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, no, so I that's agree. a learning curve for the, for the Crows in this case. Yeah, I just think they should have been better. I, I think they weren't prepared enough for what, was bloody obvious. Yep. You knew they were going to come. It was just a matter of yeah, we where's, play. Where's we, the practice well, on that they are going to win the rack tap out? That's where I'm coming back to. Yep. I, I, I would have I been along the lines, and we saw it the week before where Nick sort of said, hang on, no, 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 let's just see how this yeah. plays out. I would have said go attacking as yeah. much as you possibly come can. On, guys. And if we lose it, we lose it. Yeah. Very much so, and and if and if you see that, and as a as a crow supporter, you see that hey, they took the game on, and, and Collingwood believe, were better at it, and believed in themselves. Yep, if Collingwood oh, were better at it, oh, then very much so. You go, you know what? Hey, we we sort of lost to a better team on the night, and we gave it everything we could. Yes, we messed up with some missed easy shots. But really, at the end of the day, uh, if you keep playing that way and creating those opportunities, those missed shots all of a sudden turn into goals. Yep. Could very, very more. All right, we'll move we'll move on. Absolutely. And, and look, a good learning op- opportunity oh. for the Crows on that one. Uh, we move on. Round number eight, Carlton v. Brisbane. Toss of the coin job. At this stage, I'm going to go Brisbane, but it's a real toss of the coin. Um, you really... Yeah, yeah, me too. I haven't, I haven't made up my mind on that one. All right. Um, yeah, it's in Melbourne. Look, I think... Look, the team that travels back from Perth is usually the one that struggles a little bit, and I reckon Carlton might be in that boat, and I reckon Brisbane are up and about. So I'm going to put Brizzy as well. Uh, Richmond v. The Eagles. As I said, I wouldn't tip tip West Coast against themselves, so I'll still go Richmond. Richmond. Uh, The big one, Geelong v. The Crows. Considering it's at Cadinia Park, Geelong easily. Do we give Adelaide any chance? Not down there. No, and we, we talked about this just briefly before we came on air. 
Adelaide are thinking about potentially giving a little bit of a rest to Rory Sloan, uh, Tex Walker and um, Laird. Laird. Uh, do you think that's a good good game plan or not? No, because I can see that if they go down there and get thumped, you're going, you're, you're even and you're losing confidence. And I, I think last week's game will end up costing the spot in the eight at the end of the year. But at the moment, I reckon that would be a real, real – I'd rather take Geelong on. Go, righto, guys, we should have beaten the top side. We should be top at the moment. Well, that's what go, I was going to lead go to. With, yeah. Go with that approach and go, right, we're going to take them on. Guys, we're due. We've lost our last whatever here. We're due to have a win. Let's have a crack. Absolutely. And and you took the words right out of my mouth there that oh. uh, there is a big opportunity there that uh, they they could not create an upset because anyone can win on the day. Mm. But, you know, the, I, I think the stat was 2003. They haven't won at Cadenia oh, Park since 2003. So there is a good opportunity. And you're right. Uh, if they beat GWS uh, and they hold on last week, they should be a game clear yeah. on top. So they are playing oh. well enough. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, you're right, at uh, GMHBA Stadium is a whole different kettle of fish. So, yes, Geelong for me on that one. The Suns v Melbourne. Yeah, I'll go Melbourne. But as I said, I do give GW, I do give Gold Coast a very outside opportunity. But I'll go, I'll go, um, I'll go Melbourne. The Giants versus the Bulldogs, mate. Yeah, I want to see the sides on this one. But at this stage, I'm going to go the Giants at this stage. It's at Monica Oval. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. That is a toss of the coin. I'm a bit with you. I want to see the sides. Look, I'll go the Bulldogs just because I can. And they need the win. <laughs> and they need the win, yeah. And you'll go the Giants, no yeah, worries. At this stage. Fremantle versus Hawthorne. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Freo. I'll, I'll go Freo, but, geez, my tipping on Freo this year is Scheisenhausen. Well, mine's a bit like that with St Kilda. I didn't give them too much chance early on on the basis that they did have a few injuries and they've certainly proved me wrong. Uh, Port Adelaide v Essendon, Adelaide over. I'm actually looking forward to this game. Yeah, Port get Marshall back and I think there's one other. They lose Dersma for about eight, so that's reasonably important. But because it's here, I'll go Port. I'm on the basis of uh, Port Adelaide. I think they're just building quite nicely at the moment. Good to see that. The players have responded. Uh, it's amazing mm. that that loss to the Crows really has lit a bit of a fire yeah. on a few of them. Yeah, uh, it's not the first time that that's happened. Uh, back in '97, I think yeah. Crows uh, lost. The and Crows then lost to Port, and then they went Western on Western Bulldogs the next week with Wren's comeback. Yep. So uh, very, very interesting there that uh, that that's happening. Mate, I've been really impressed with Jason Horn's, Horn Francis's yeah. reply to a yeah. lot of the booing and. We have talked about that briefly uh, before, so he's on a bit of a, uh, a, a bit of a golden patch at the moment. Essendon will approach this that they beat Melbourne here and gather around and were very good. So I reckon they'll be that that'll be the coaching strategic bit this mm-hmm. week. So yeah, but I will go. I'll tip Port. Do you see Essendon as a little bit of a surprise packet? I mean, they were pretty good in the Anzac Day clash, and yeah. they've been reasonable. Yeah, they've most been reasonable. Of the year. So they've been. Yeah. Have you noticed any tactical changes from Essendon this year from last year with um, Rutten coaching? I've got to be honest, I probably haven't watched them closely enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing that I I've seen... I don't normally sit on the sure. fence. No, yeah. no, that's right. The only thing that I can say that I've seen differently is their forward handball. They're uh, not going backwards as much yeah. to, I'll, to I'll, gain ground. They look like they're going forward and taking the game on. I think it's actually yeah. serving them pretty well. Yeah. 
All right, Collingwood v the Swans. This is a uh, big game. <laughs> yeah, I'll go Collingwood. Collingwood, it's in. It's uh, at the G. MCG. I'll go, yep. I'll go Collingwood. Yep. And North Melbourne v St Kilda. Yeah, you can't tip North. I'll go St Kilda. Perfect. And a few injuries last week. North Melbourne, a couple of bad ones too. So, yeah. I think Comden was out for a long time. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And St terrific Kilda. ankle injury. All right, mate. What's the what's the match of the round that you're looking forward to? Um, I actually think Port Essendon. I think that's the potential for the closest game. Yeah, I'm with you a little bit on the Port Essendon game, but I also think that the uh, Carlton Brisbane as well. Yeah, that's yep, the, the one two. I was going back up to. Yep. They're the two that I'd be looking at yep. as well. So a bit of a watch and see on that one. Yep. All right, mate. Uh, we move on. SANFL. Yeah, Glenelg is too good for Nord. Um, Nord struggling. We admit that. Um, so we'll go in reverse order. Uh, yeah, Nord v Glenelg uh, down at um, down at the bay. Bay, yeah, it was a game that I think we went in with the right attitude and played the right way, but Glenelg were just a little too strong in the end. Yeah, I, I admit, I sort of Norton three. I couldn't work out why, Matty. I, I understand why you have rules and let's do this amount, do that amount, so it's set structures. But I don't really get who I still think the guy is still arguably the. Nord's most important player playing reserves on Saturday. I don't quite get that. Did kick that? three goals. Yeah. Matty Panos we're talking yeah. about there. So, yeah, very interesting. All right, we'll continue in reverse. Uh, Port Adelaide getting their first win against West Adelaide. Yeah. Out at Loxton. Yeah, apparently, apparently reasonable numbers again for the, the Russell Ebert yep. match effectively at Loxton, which is great. Mm-hmm. So, look, I was surprised Westies beat South the week before. So, I'm not really... That surprise that Port won. So great to see uh, the SNFL taking it to uh, the the country grounds. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Nord v West coming up in yeah, a couple of rounds time as well. So uh, North Adelaide just starting to get on a little bit of a roll against the Eagles. Yeah, look, that prospect. So it wasn't a surprise. No, not at all. I think they're still arguably the team to beat. Sturt have been very good, and Centrals have probably been the surprise packet. Yep. Um, Sturt just got over Centrals in the end. They did indeed, sixty you know, to sixty-three. Yep. Um, and they're really united. I'm impressed with Sturt. Impressed with Sue Dewing. I think she's a great operator. Yep. A lot of respect. I'll probably see her tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, Friday night at the uh, opening of Wheelchair Footy. I'll be along there yep. at uh, Lights View. Uh, looking forward to catching up with a few of the guys. And we've talked briefly about the redevelopment there at Unley Oval. They've done it, done it bit by bit, and have done a really good job. I, I do know Sue as well, and she is a very, very good operator. And yep. um, Marty Matner's got them absolutely yeah. humming, humming along at the moment. And uh, yeah, to come from behind there to beat uh, Centrals by three points was. A pretty good effort. And Adelaide defeating South Adelaide. Yeah, look, I, I, I was amazed when Adelaide lost the week before. I think they took Centrals a bit lightly and they missed a lot of goals. I think their small forwards kicked something like 214. Yep. With the lack of injuries Adelaide have had, yes, they should be dominating the SNFL. Absolutely. And um, obviously the uh, inaccurate goal kicking followed through to the AFL side yeah. last week. But anyway, that's a totally yeah. different uh, scenario. All right, this week, uh, I'm actually looking forward to this one, the Bulldogs v the Bloods. Yeah, I'll go the Bulldogs. I'll go the Bulldogs as well. Um, North Adelaide v the Crows. Good test. I want to see who, uh, how many rest, how many Adelaide rest. If Adelaide go in at reasonably close to full strength... I'll tip Adelaide. Yep. If they rest three or four yep. and take a couple other travels, yes, then North Adelaide. Then I'll go North. Yeah, fair call. Uh, the Panthers versus uh, the Tigers. 
probably have to go Glenelg at this stage. South have been a bit disappointing the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, I'd yeah, probably have to go say Glenelg. Glenelg as well. And a short trip there for Glenelg up to uh, Flinders University Stadium. Uh, traditional rivals, Nord v Ports. Panos will play. So for mine, that'll be enough for me to tip Nord. Is he the general? Is he the man that is a bit like Pendlebury and Dawson and just directing traffic a little bit to Twig's game plan? No, it's probably not really. I don't think that's Maddie's no. personality quite as okay. much. Probably he's a bit quieter the way he would do it than Pendlebury and that. I yep. think he still does yes. direct, yep. but it's probably just more in his own yep. more quiet way. Right, so not as uh, open with it, more of a up behind a player, whisper in the yeah. ear and, hey, you know, just get to that area, get to that spot. Or even pointing or point- space. Yep. And, yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it'll be an interesting. I hope Nord uh, win their first game yes, for the season yes. this year, which would be amazing. And to get one up against Port is obviously one that we definitely want, and especially down at Alberton too, which is always a good contest down at uh, at Alberton. And the last game of the round, which I think is probably for me the game of the round. Um, I mean, I was probably looking forward to the. Uh, Bulldogs Bloods game just to see how that sort of panned out, but this one I'm really looking forward to the Eagles versus Sturt. Yeah, I'll go Sturt. Sturt have been very impressive. Um, Eagles a little bit up and down, up and down. So yep. I'll go the Blues, but yeah, wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles get up. Uh, I, I'm in the same boat. I think Sturt are just building quite nicely, and yeah, we we talked about again those two or three teams at the beginning of the season that might actually be around the mark. Uh, these two teams are definitely there, but I think Sturt are just going along a little bit better mm. at the moment. Mm. All right, mate, uh, we move on. Cricket. What's coming up with cricket? We've got the Ashes uh, yeah, series, but, and world, but we've also got the World, world Test Championship. Yeah. So that's that's in a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, so that's funny. It's probably not. A, it's probably a good grounding for the Ashes to have a Test match and that. So yeah, against India, uh, um, Bumrah has, has failed his fitness test for India. So that's a big out for India. That's huge. Um, so at the moment. Uh, Interesting that Hazelwood's made his comeback in the IPL. I'd I'd much rather him over in England bowling overs, getting yes. overs under his belt than four overs in hitting giggle cricket. Yep. Uh, probably shows my thoughts on 2020 cricket. Yeah, no, that's fine. But, you know, yeah. obviously coming back, uh, just bowling those short stints may be a good building block for no, obviously. I, I, I no? reckon he's got to get bowling under his belt okay. and get – Get some decent long spells. So not just net different. practice. Yeah, no, we I need, think you've got to get some bowling into it. Is the is and you'll know this a little bit better than me being a cricketer. Is this is he an opportunity to play some county cricket in England? Well, or will it be a little bit too soon? I think I don't think he will because of his IPL contract. Right. Yeah. You know, wow. So that yeah. makes it very very hard. It's a bit silly, mate. There was five players. I, I read this one um, the other day. There was five players. A little bit unlucky not to to get a bit of a trip over for the Ashes. Uh, Matthew Kuhneman. A little bit, but then I wouldn't have taken three spinners to the Ashes. I can understand him missing out. I thought Murphy had to go before him, so I do get that one. Sean Abbott. No, I'd go more Michael Nessa than Sean Abbott as the as the all rounder. Mm-hmm. So I think Nessa. Nessa's bowling for mine's a bit more suited to England conditions yep. and with the Duke ball yep. than Abbott. So I don't think Abbott. I, Bancroft for me was the most unlucky sure. one. Sure. Peter Hanscom? A little bit, but his batting's probably. I can see why he missed out. Yep. Bancroft for mine, I think, should have been picked. My next one is Nessa. Yeah, I thought Nessa was unlucky. And the last one on my list, uh, Cameron Bancroft. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Bancroft. You want players to dominate. You call for players 
who you're not picking right, you've got to dominate the Shield competition, and he's been the leading batsman in Shield cricket the last two years. Yep. Well, surely, especially this last season, and I think he's, I think his technique of hitting across his front pad and getting caught at leg slip. I think he, I think he got caught at leg slip five times last season. Wow, which is a, a bizarre way to get out yep. once, let alone five times. So it showed that there was a real weakness. Yep. And for mine, his bat did come through straighter uh, this year. You know, South Australia actually beat Western Australia in the Shield game here. Yep. Um, so actually watched and he, he batted well until he got out. But for mine, he deserved to be picked. Is it a case he's still paying the price a little bit for the indiscretions in, in South Africa? No, I don't want to bring it up because, I, you know, it was a while ago. They've done yeah. the time, done the crime. Well, I not, get that part of it. Not when Warner's still playing. Yep. If, if, Warner, if you decided not to pick Warner... Yeah, I, I would say yes, but yep. and same on. with Smith. Uh, obviously, yeah, I, not I, captaining. He did yeah. end up getting captaining as well. Yeah, I, I've I had Smith a mile a level lower. I get where he's gone. Oh God, I've had a guts full of his crap. I don't want to know about yep. it. I get that. Yep. I really do. But I, for mine, Warner and Bancroft were the two, and you've continued to pick Warner, so therefore Bancroft plays. Sure. Uh, just offering an opinion yeah. on that, just wondering yeah. whether you thought that that might be the case. Probably the one other thing for the Ashes yep. is there's a word around at the moment that England are going to play with 60-metre boundaries, which is marginally bigger than this room we're broadcasting from. Pete. Okay. Um, so that's a really weird one. I can't... That's apparently meant to suit England's attacking batting tactics. So I find that... It's just a rumour at the stage, but let's wait and see. That, that'll be very interesting to yeah, see if that does weird. actually come to pass. Basically, it really means with the bat quality now, even miss hits will go for six. Yep. It's going to have to be a shocking miss hit to get a guy caught on the boundaries. What I thought Australia, it would play into Australia's hands a little bit when it comes to aggressive. I mean, you look, all right, we don't know what the, the starting tw- uh, 11 are um, or the starting 12 are at the moment. Um you know, but there is some aggressive batsmen in the Australian lineup that would absolutely relish at a shorter boundary. Yeah, possibly Travis. Yeah, um, that's who I'm thinking of straight yeah. away. Warner, you know, if and he gets Al- going, and even Alex, Alex Carey. Yeah, so, yeah, it is interesting. So, yeah, how say. positive are we for the Ashes? Are we a are we a silly chance, or are we a bit bit more than a silly chance? I think we're a silly chance. I, I think England at home have got to start favourite. Yep, but I, I over here Australia. Yep. Absolutely. Let's go to the bar and celebrate already. Yep. Um, over there, I think it's England marginally. Is it, a, is it a case, and, and you did briefly bring it up at the beginning there, that the um, the Test Series, the Test Series final, uh, is played in England. So they are getting some good chances to have a little bit of a look at the English uh, pitches and the English uh, atmosphere. And there's also some players obviously playing in their county cricket as well. Yeah, it's just been a little bit interesting. So that the test final twos at the Oval, not at Lords, which no one can really sort of work out. Yep. Um, and normally a law, uh, Oval was the later test match in the series. So, yeah, it's interesting that it's at the Oval. So, yeah, wait and see. Silly chance, but uh, we give it a give it a good chance, and we'll obviously talk about it as we get mm. uh, into that June period when they're playing. All right, mate. We'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. 
Welcome back. Uh, soccer, Adelaide United missed a big opportunity losing 4-1 last week to Central Coast. Yeah, it's disappointing. They've certainly fallen away to the end of the year. Um, now to set it up, huge elimination final Friday night. Um, yeah, hopefully they'll rebound and then get try and get back on a roll, but mm-hmm. it's not a good final way to enter a final series to have lost no. momentum completely. But Melbourne City, Central say. Coast, obviously winning uh, four out of their last five. Um, Adelaide United uh, winning one out of their last five with yeah. a couple of draws there. Uh, Western Sydney winning two out of their last five. And Sydney FC winning three out of their last five. So, yeah, the finals are starting to take shape. And, yeah, Adelaide would want to turn it around pretty quickly, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah. Just on a side note, Arsenal defeating Chelsea today in the Premier League. No real surprises there. No, at least that still keeps a bit of pressure on Man City, so... Your money's on Man City. Absolutely. We might cover a bit more EPL next week as part of our soccer segment. Um, We'll move on. We'll spend a bit more time on the soccer next week. We're under a bit of time pressure tonight. But um, the SNFLW, SNFL had a pretty good weekend last weekend. Yeah. um, Norwood, a good win over Sturt. um, And that, and the under 16 and under the state girls are both. Both sides have done very well. They so have. Congratulations to the under-16 side. Yep. Um, yeah, Beck McMahon coaching there, uh, Jesse, Jess Edwards, Anthony Wilson, mm-hmm. and Ali Ferrell. So knowing them all, so pretty rap that they got up. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, we did mention last week there were a few notable admissions from a few of the teams, yeah. and obviously they're on state duties. Yeah. Uh, fantastic for South Australia and and – that breeding ground for new female players uh, is looking really, really healthy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and Violet Patterson, uh, Stephen Patterson's daughter, who will hopefully have a lot uh, on one night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, also had a had a very good day as well. So yeah, great results. Fantastic. Uh, going back to the uh, results, uh, Nord defeating Sturt, uh, South Adelaide defeating Glenelg. Yep. Uh, we sort of flagged that that may be the case. Uh, the Eagles and West Adelaide had a, a draw, draw, nil yeah. all draw. Or yeah. sorry, not a nil all draw. Twenty-one to twenty-one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another close one between Centrals and the Roosters. A point the difference. Yeah, Centrals came from three goals down with about seven to eight minutes to go. So well done to Ben Hunt and the Dogs. So yeah, they're around the mark as well. The Doggies. They're up and firing yeah. at the moment. The Doggies. Uh, probably the form teams with Nord and South Adelaide. Yeah. I'd say at this stage. Moving on to round ten, the Eagles v Norwood. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go the legs. I'll go the leggies there as well. Uh, Sturt v West Adelaide. Uh, I'll go Sturt. Yeah, I'll go Sturt too. Yeah. They, they'll have a few ins this week yeah. that'll probably just help them get over the line. Really looking forward to this game: the Bulldogs versus the Tigers, Glenelg. Yeah, I'm commentating that game, so yeah, looking forward to that. So that one's out at Glenelg yeah, Oval. At Glenelg, so um, got. The 18s game first, so a couple of games on Saturday. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Tune, so, tune in wherever it's yeah, being broadcast. now app. Yep. Um, I'll go for the dogs. I'll go for the doggies there. I think they're in a rich vein of form. And another one that I'm probably looking forward to is the Roosters and the Panthers. Yeah. You've probably got to go south at this stage. but uh, I think it's going to be close. Yeah, Jess Edwards will come back in for North Adelaide. Yep. Um, pretty crucial out as one of the select there and that. So, yeah. Uh, getting Jess back might help there, um, but you've probably got to go the Panthers. I'm going to back a draw. 
Okay. We'll, we'll see. It's just something a bit different. Yeah, why not? I think it's going to be a high-scoring game because both teams like to uh, to take the game on a yeah, little bit. So hopefully. I, I reckon we're in for a, a pretty exciting contest, and mm. I'm just going to back a draw uh, just out of the blue. I reckon that it's going to be a tight game, and I can't split them. So All right, mate, and the netball. We'll move on to the netball. The th- uh, Thunderbirds, once again, uh, up and about, aren't they? Yeah, they're going well. Um, equal top, so... They're selling out their home stadium. There's talk about that they may be going to the entertainment centre as of next season. So it's great for netball. And, yeah, look, so it should. How many girls playing netball? Yeah, the numbers are, are, stag- are staggering. staggering. So you would thought that it would follow on and get support at the top level. So it's great that it is, but it, bloody so it should. So fantastic. Uh I uh, heard the coach speaking on uh, local radio here the other night, asked, you know, is it a bit of a surprise that you guys are going so well? Yes in one camp and no in another. Yeah. They've done the hard work. They've done the hard yards. And at the moment, they're sort of reaping the rewards. So uh, watch this space, ladies and gentlemen. Definitely. All right, we move on. We're going to take another quick break. But when we come back, we've got Brett James. Beefy. From the Nord Football Club, the Collingwood Football Club, the Adelaide Crows Footy Club, and more importantly, from Kersbrook. Kersbrook. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Past players, past legends, past legends. We welcome aboard Brett James, Kersbrook legend, obviously Nord legend, and Adelaide Adelaide, dual premiership player and also Collingwood player. And I'm trying to work it out whether you ended up cracking the 600 senior games uh, milestone, James. You're you're certainly very close, but welcome aboard, Brett. Hi, guys. How are you going? Thanks for joining us, mate. Um, we, no, that's no go. No problem. We like to start with everybody. Uh, obviously, uh, playing in the Hills Footy League is that where you started your junior career? Yes. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. Grew up on the um, on the farm and played. Yeah, for Kersey when I was young. I actually went and played for Teacher Gully. I think I was when I started. I was four, playing under fourteen. So I didn't do much. Damage. What, what started? What, how come you started so late, Jamesy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, Mum wouldn't let me play any earlier than that. Nah, <laughs> it was just one of those things. I was just making up the numbers. Um, and then I got to about seven and I played under eights and nines at Teacher Gully. And then I went back and, and played again at Kersbrook. Um, yeah, in the under, because we only had under 14s back then. So, um, and you did play under 14s when you were when you were five, and you did kick a goal in your first year, Briefy too. So that's that's not a fair yeah, I did. bad effort. At As the age I said, five. that was yeah. I I did not took a mark at the top of the goal square and just cleared everyone on the mark. That was about all I was good for back then. <laughs> Very good. Um, obviously, uh, your ambition uh, was to play uh, SNFL uh, football, and then obviously playing at, at the high level as well. Did you have those ambitions as a young fella? Yeah, I was a Nord fanatic, so yeah, growing up it was it was to play footy for Nord. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to do. Like basically was yeah, play for Nord and um, and probably yeah, when I when you go through my kind of career and that, it's kinda of weird when people say that was my aim and the today's generation don't understand. They go, What do you yeah. mean Nord? But back then exactly. that was their son of was as as you know, as big as 
any other comp in, this, in yep. Australia. So for me, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play for Norwood. And so, Beefy, you um, played at played at Nord. So from about twelve, you played in a couple under seventeen flags in eighty eight, eighty nine, and then played Till Cup under Alan Stewart in eighty nine. So, yep, was that under eighty eight, eighty nine? Was that still staff? And trying to think, yeah, I still had yep. staff. Yep. yep. So, go through that, Beefy. Yeah, well, staff's fantastic coach. Um, so yeah, basically. Um, yeah, first year I came in, and as I said, I'd coming from the country. I was kind of one of the. There weren't too many to come down from from that way, you know, from the from Adelaide, Adelaide Hills. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I was just making it up as I went along to a degree, just trying as hard as I could. And yeah, I was just lucky that um, staff played me a bit all over the place when I started. I played a bit forward, um, kicked a few goals, or, um, then went back, um, played back for probably six or eight weeks forward for, you know, a month, six weeks, and then ended up in the middle and played there the rest of the year. And, um, yeah, it gave me really good development and actually being able to play pretty much anywhere. Were, were you re- recruited by Nord directly out of Kersbrook? Well, back then we had – they had, like, I was, it was Nord's skill squads. Um, so I went back there when I – obviously from primary school. So I think I – I went down when I was about 11 um, and went through all them, like under 12s, 13s, 14s, 15s. And once when I came out of the 15s, I I kind of um, rolled into the under 17s and played a couple of years of that, yeah. What about the Till Cup under Alan Stewart? Of course, Alan Stewart, an extremely well-respected junior coach. Uh, How was that experience? Yeah, well, it was... We played it um, in Melbourne the year I was. That was yep. in 1989. So we were actually the game before the '89 State of Origin. Yeah. So the week before, I think I played in front of probably 150, 200 people at Nord in the under-17s. And when we walked off the oval, there was 95,000 there yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So it was it was a little bit different. But we we beat Vic Metro that day and. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely a little bit different. We walked off and we had pies thrown at us, and <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah it was a really good experience being able to play played at um, MCG, uh, Waverley, um, and a few other uh, Junction Oval, and then we we made the final. We actually got done in the in the final. Uh, when was that? That was on a Friday night in the, at the MCG again. Right. Do, do you like? That was it? when Ovals were boggy. Like we were playing yeah. on muddy. Crappy ovals, and we're all little fellas, so I reckon four games in the week knocked us around a bit. Do you like the idea of the curtain raisers? It was awesome, yeah. I was a pretty young guy playing in front of a big crowd. Yeah, absolutely, that's all you want to do. So, um, yeah, it was. I loved it. And then progressing through debuting in nineteen ninety for your league debut, go through that experience, mate. Yeah, once again, I just got. From 17s, I just got um, invited to the league pre-season. Um, and, yeah, just tried. Tried to be harnessed all the way kind of along. So that was um, still under Barmy? In... Yeah, so I, yep. I still had my first year with Barmy. Um, um, yeah, so as I said, I'd, as a young kid, you don't really expect to get there. You just see what happens. Um, so, yeah, just did the pre-season. And um, I think we had our first – they had – we had a couple of internals and then we, we were playing Glenelg at Power Reynolds. The, the league team were going over there on a bus and I was, yeah, I was lucky enough to make the trip. 
and that was kind of, yeah, a, a fair jump from playing under-17s the game before and then kind of the next year. And, um, yeah, pretty much ended up playing a pretty big chunk of the year in the in the league team. And then, so progressing through, uh, then eventually getting uh, picked by, pick by Collingwood, but opting to stay the extra year at Nord in 93. Yeah, yeah, no, I, as I said, I had kind of known, I'll be honest, I had no intention of leaving. I was I was pretty happy where I was. Um, yeah. You know, my aim was to play for Nord and I was doing that. So I was, you know, I was pretty happy with how everything was going. Um, and, yeah, kind of before I got drafted, I'd spoken to oh, quite a few clubs and I pretty much told all of them I wasn't coming. So, um Collingwood, I hadn't, I didn't speak to, and they, yeah, they obviously um, picked me up. But it, um, yeah, most of the other clubs, I just said, no, I'm not. And it was a little bit different. A lot of people did that back then. Yeah. Um, because the lists were bigger, you didn't have to go straight away, and you kind of proved yourself over here before you, um, before you went over. So I mean, I think by the time I left, I'd only played a hundred games. Which I so, think is a great upbringing, personally. So, does that mean that you signed a letter of uh, intent with Collingwood, or were you still? No, nah, when you get drafted, I think I think you had to be there for three years. Yeah, right. Like you were on their list for yeah. three years, right. and I was. Oh, if I hadn't gone that year, I think I would have. It would have been like, um, yeah, I would have been had to be redrafted. And then ninety three, Pete. I'll be honest. So go out and watch, you know, Nord training, and Craig. Craigie admitted as well that he sort of got him gross in the atmosphere. There was good numbers out for grand final training. And yes. I can honestly say it's the first time as a supporter started ye- we started yelling, get him off the track. Now, Beefy didn't worry him. I've spoken about it with Brett since. With some of the other senior guys, said they were abs- said they were flat in terms of knackered when they mm-hmm. started the game. Mm-hmm. Where Beefy said, well, yeah, he, just, he was happy as a pig in shit. He was kicking the footy, you know, yes. sort of thing. But... Um, yeah, it wasn't a great day, grand final day. I admit, I think we were in the bar by about 10 minutes of the second quarter, Beefy, I reckon we may have a... Oh, it was a little yeah. bit, as I said, it was just one of those days you just don't want to get grand final day where it's windy one quarter and yeah. they got to kick with it that first quarter and they kicked six or seven, you know, oh, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Now it was six or seven, to not too much. And when that happens, you're kind of, you know, we'd come from the elimination final yeah. Um, and, yeah, as I said, it was it was it was as much as anything. I think it was that first quarter. I mean, who knows? You, you kick with the win yep, yourself, that's fair. And then you get on the scoreboard and made everyone feels good. But when you yeah, when you're chasing tail right from the start, um, and they were, I mean, they were a very good side. So yeah, we, we were coming we, fifth, so we would have been pretty lucky to get over top of them. Yeah, and Weed heard us. Weedman played very well, Zilla. And I've got to I've got to be honest. I was I was happy for Simon Neve. I, mm-hmm. I thought Simon Neve. Didn't receive the opportunity he should have at Nord, just personally. And Bruce yep. Winner coaching him. So at least yep. there was still a Nord flavour. That We did drink our sorrows back saying, well, at least a Nord person coached the premiership sides. <laughs> I do remember actually being at the, uh, what would it be, the northern end, sitting behind the goals and uh, sinking lower and lower into my seat on that day. So I definitely remember that one. And, yeah, you guys did look a little bit flat that day. Yeah, I mean, we were we were a very young side when Craigie came. Yeah, we in, were young. He was that ninety one. He pretty much, to a degree, got kept a handful of guys and then pretty much run a heap of young. You know, to boot a lot of young guys and a lot of guys 
came and went. Um, and the prelim that, final was a bloody good game against Port. So, yeah. When we beat Port, yeah. 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 No. So. Well, I mean, to a degree, I think I'm only going from memory here, but I think every final, we were, they were always pretty tight and we kind yes. of overrun them. Over got on top kind of, you know, in the second half in most of them, I think. Yeah, no, that's um, true. So it was it was it was a bloody good effort to make the grand final. I yeah, but I just still thought we were probably went over. And then so you decided to go to Collingwood and for the first time out of the family business, of course you'd you know, the James fifth generation apple fa- apple farmers up at Kersbrook. Lovely play too, I've got to be honest. When I drove up to your farm that day, James, you actually you're not that far out of town to be country. Mm-hmm. You're sort of city country, you know, your right country, but you're not that far out. No, nah, but that's why I've, yeah. I reckon it was I great. Mean, oh, that's I a know, compliment, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know people that are country and everyone goes from the country and I go, I mean, I'm, I'm a country person, but I'm hardly a country person because yeah. in 15 minutes I'm in the suburbs. So, um, yeah, I've got friends from, say, the Air Peninsula. They've got a different perspective there. Their country, yes. they're they're way more country than I am. No, no, I thought that day going. I I thought you you've got the best best of both mm. worlds. That was my thought yeah. process going up meeting you at the apple farm that day. Where I thought this is sensational, and yet we're still, you know, a decent screw pump from town. So I, yeah, I thought I think it's great. So yeah, yeah. I was only uh, as I said, it was never too bad. I mean, I, when I lived in Melbourne, I think I, it took me long to get to Collingwood, just in. General traffic than when I was, you know, it was 35 minutes to get to a football training, which is nothing if you, you know, for the time I lived in Melbourne, that was, that was no worries. Is it a little bit like Geelong? You know, you had the, the, the balancing act of obviously being able to come down and play for Nord in the city, but also uh, head back to the farm on the weekends. Oh no, he was. Yeah, I mean, he was back. I think he was closer than that. Yeah, mate. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. What's Bridget. that? Sorry, I'm saying you were closer than that. It wasn't. You were probably. From your place to Nord would have been thirty, only just over half an hour, wouldn't it? Basically, yeah, no, thirty-five. Yeah, I get there yeah. about thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So, as I said, it was it was never. Yeah, like so when people used to say, "Oh, you drive all that way," like a lot of people, you know, I went. And plus, when you when you are in the country, you kind of get used to like driving's not really an issue because you have to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, it was never it was never that far, and um, yeah, I always as I said. Like playing footy, you go go anywhere to play footy. So, um, yeah, as I said, I was, I was, you know, I think I was lucky to get drafted, um, picked by Norwood because I think they only changed the boundaries a couple of years before I kind of came through. I, we were West Torrens before yeah, that. So. that's true. Yeah. And then when you went to Collingwood, you uh, worked at Vic Park as uh, a curator. So that was something different. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. So they often, all they had a um, district cricket team there. Um, and they often used to have, or back then they'd have some state under 21, you know, um, games there and, and that tight and second 11 type stuff. So yeah, you used to look after practice wickets in the main wicket and obviously during the football season, look after the, um, the oval and, and all that. But it really, yeah, it was really, it was really good fun. I actually really enjoyed doing that. And you, you were a pretty settled member of the side under Lee Matthews as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think. I think Lee was kind of yeah, had a like grooming me and had a spot, and I was gradually taking more responsibility. Like the first year, I'm only, and I said, I went over there. I had really bad, I'd done all the ligaments in my feet for most of that 
um, end of '93. So I actually hadn't done too much, or well, done nothing when I got went over there. So my fitness was way behind where it probably should have been. Um, so it took me kind of the, the year, the first year, to get everything kind of heading in the right direction. And then by the second year, I'd, I'd most of the time I'd play a little bit, and then I'd play the second half on the ball. Um, so I think he knew I could play around the footy, and I think he was just yeah gradually building me up to where I could handle more time on the ball. Um, I'm trying to work out personally then, was Alicia there, there then or you were moved over to... No, I only met Alicia when I came back. Right. Yeah, right, came back. Right. Came back Adelaide. How was it uh, playing under Lee Matthews? Uh, just give us some insight into what he was like as a coach. Oh, well, yeah. Like he, in terms of speaking, like he, you just could never fault him. He just, like, obviously, I was a, I was a young bloke, but just how he always set, put words together and... And um, yeah, I mean, everyone's probably heard him on the yeah. on the TV. Mm-hmm. You kind of you, what he says is pretty much faultless, and it was kind of I found it that same. Everyone, everyone kind of used to say that he was really, you know, really hard, you know. But I'll be honest, while he coached a couple of years there, there wasn't too often he ever really got, you know, fired up. It was, it was generally really cool and calm. Every now and again, if you did the wrong thing, there might be somebody kind of took a bullet for the group to fight to get them get them up and going. But in general, he was just a really cool, calculated coach. So a little bit similar to Barmy there, that he didn't go... Yeah, well, Barmy was the same thing. Yeah. I, I remember yeah, watching Barmy. Yeah. You'd see him on the in the coach's box going off and you'd think, oh, geez, you know, like, what's going on? But I don't I don't think Barmy ever really gave to the group ever, like the one year I played. And very, I mean, I was only... Very, very a, rarely. A, very rarely. I was only a very minor... Role player, you know, my first, in my year with Barmy, so you, you kind of don't get caught in the intricacies too much. But in general, Barmy was, you know, the same. He was very, he got his frustrations out in the box. I think. Yeah, Craig, Craigie could go off, but yeah, we'll move on from that. Yeah, Craigie did go. Craigie <laughs> did go off. Yeah, and then under under Tony Shaw, that was a um, a little bit of a different experience, Brett. Yeah, I think. Oh. It was kind of one of those things, like, sure, sure, he came in and he had a lot of ideas and plans and um, I kind of knew by about, oh, round two or three, I wasn't probably going to, oh, as I said, Lee, I, I knew where Lee, where I was going and whereas I think, sure, he, I remember we'd played the practice games and I'd been, I'd been kind of in our better players for all of them and I missed round one and I kind of couldn't work it out. So I spoke to him and he goes, oh, we're playing – a fast team, so you know we 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 want to play all our fast guys. So but no worries. And then I had a reasonable game, obviously in the twos, and we played Melbourne, who had Viney and Lovett, who were all yeah, you know slow. slower yeah. guys. Yep. So yep. I thought, well, I'm a chance here, and didn't get picked again. So I went, well, what's going on? He goes, oh, we're going to beat them with our speed. So I went, well, if you won't play me against the quick teams or all the slow teams, it's not yeah. So yeah. it was one of those years yeah. that um, yeah. No, I mean, people have that like. As I said, I think Lee kind of had us was pushing me in a direction where he knew where I was going, and then sure he just had different plans for me. And um, yeah, as I said, like personally, I, they didn't make much sense, but that was the direction he went. And as I said, like I didn't agree with Shorey, but you know I got on really well with him. It wasn't like we had an argument and didn't get on. Like I, that was just his perspective, so not much I can do about it. Now I did warn Pete before we started. I said when Brett you know, was on, I said. There's a very, very funny story how Brett ended up at Adelaide Footy Club. So uh, 
I reckon you better you better feel and Pete's Fill been me saying in, oh, yeah. he's intrigued by yeah. this. So don't tell me. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Go okay, yeah. Well, well, basically, Port Port were coming in in '97, so my plan was to play with Rods because I knew Rods was going to be there. So that was kind of my plan going forward that um, we'd both end up at Port Adelaide and get to play together. Um, so I went on a, and I obviously spoke to Adelaide at the same time, um, but. Yeah, went on the footy trip with the boys. We went to Mauritius, and back in those days, we got faxes. So Eddie, our um, team manager, he came on. Uh, was in the middle of one day. I was probably three or four in the arbor. He came over. He goes, "Sign this fax, um, and you'll be back off to Adelaide." So I was just thinking, I'm going to Port because I was pretty confident that that's where I was going to end up. And I'll be honest, I didn't even look at it. I just signed it, and then I don't know. Joined, joined in drinking with the boys as as we were over there. What was what we were over there for? And yeah, then I spoke to my mum a couple of days later, and she actually goes, "Oh, you're off to Adelaide." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm coming to play with Rod." And she goes, "No, you're at Adelaide." Like, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so I had a couple of days where I thought I was playing with Rod. For... Oh, so wow. and as I said back then, there was no mobile phone. So unless I read the facts, I probably wasn't going to find out until somebody told me. So yeah, had a couple of days of thinking I might be able to play with my brother. But wow. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm, I'll be honest. I, mate, I ended up at the right club because we we're pretty, you know, pretty lucky to be in that situation. You know, the next couple of years. And you actually stood him too at one stage too. I reckon in one of those oh, first that, showdowns. That was yeah, we ran into question. each other a few times. Yeah. 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 So the head-to-head battle there, obviously uh, something that you relished. Yeah. Well, see, I'm, I'm a Nord supporter. So I was, like I said, Nord fanatic. So Port, I hated Port Adelaide. Yeah, good boy, um, good boy. Yeah, so I'm even a bit like that, even now. Like, Roy's played there, but like even now, like I think Kenny Hinkley, and he gets a bad rap. And yeah. So sometimes I feel sorry for him, but then I go watch him and they win, and then I have to put up with the hearing, and I kind of go, I wish he'd not. Like, I can, it's hard. I don't. I can't bear it for him, but there's every now and again I get a bit of sympathy, sympathy for him, and then someone will say something or do something, and I go, nah. I can't, I can't, I can't even support you, kind of in any way. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean there. Yes, as yeah, we look forward to getting Rod on, and hopefully we'll get a little bit out that I reckon Roger's still got the red and blue in him as well, well and truly. So yeah, well, as yes. I said, we were, we were, we, we grew up. That's what we want to do. So it's kind of a, we were on that probably the in terms of um, age brackets, we were in that group that grew up with a different mindset, probably to the. Everyone from now, you know, from once the AFL started, that was their aim. Whereas we grew up, we were the last kind of guys that grew up hoping to play. And then, so you, your debut game for Adelaide, you played in the middle. It's the only game, only AFL game my wife's ever been to. Right. So there, you there's a, there's a distinction for you, Beefy. Good stuff. And you played in the middle against Brisbane, and you had a you had a pretty fair fair day out that day. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was a good debut. Um, yeah, we had a. We had a good win. So, yeah, first up, you know, it was good to be back home. And, um, and as I said, I probably every year, obviously, I'd, my name was Beefy. Um, yeah, wh- where did that time. come from? Brett Corey was... gave me that. Um, okay. The first year there. So, they were they got, they were into really heavy weights like that because West Coast had won the last few flags. Um, and they were a really big, powerful side. Yeah. So, everyone, we were doing massive squats and... <clears throat> Cleans and you know, and I had a body that when I started lifting weights, I put on 
like my leg, I was bit quite big. <laughs> I was, yeah, so that I got beefy. Um, and as I said, I probably did um, oh, six months of weights and then I don't think I hardly ever touched the heavyweight again because, yeah, I just had one of them bodies that, yeah, I bulked up a little bit too much and made, and the game was probably in a changeover where it was, you know, swinging back to being able to run a little bit more. So, yeah. Um, so I played, I think I was 88, 89 my first year at Collingwood at times. And like when I finished at Adelaide, I was at 75, 76. So, yeah. you know, like it took me two, three years to kind of, because while you're training, it's hard to actually drop drop weight yeah. while you're still, you know, yep. you're still doing things. So it took me two or three years and, um, to get myself, my body where it probably needed to be. So, yeah, that was probably like my first year at Adelaide. That's obviously the fittest I'd, I'd been. I'd, I probably went, you know, 89 back to 84. By my third year, I was back to probably 80, 81. And then I kind of got back to that 77, 78. And every now and again, I'd shed, shed a bit more and get back to that 75, was, 76. Was Neil Craig there as fitness conditioner? Yeah, that was Craig's yeah. first year yep. with the running. And as I said, I mean... When I first went over to Collingwood, everyone went, oh, you, you know, be a, an AFL pre-season would be hard. But I'd had Craigie. Yeah. So I went to Collingwood and it was actually easier than what Craigie. Yeah. Like, Craigie used to flog us. We used oh. to run non-stop. Yeah. Well, so, the, like, the Collingwood one, obviously, the weights was a bit different. I'd never been done that heavy weights. But in terms of running, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, yeah, running was – Craigie used to flog us. So running wasn't an issue – you know, oh, see, Craigie himself, Craigie himself. See, Craigie, we, we covered this a little bit earlier on a couple of other previous guests, but Craigie and Phil Carmen used to train up at um, the Hockey Oval when Kensington Cricket Club were playing in summer. They were the yeah. two fittest footballers in Australia. They were miles fitter than anyone in Victoria. Um, like Phil Carmen, they reckon he could have met, meddled in the decathlete as a decathlon, mm-hmm. and Craigie was a was incredible as well. So, oh, well, Craigie, yeah. his first year coaching Norwood, like he retired, he played at North and retired the yeah. year before, and then he came out and he was coaching and he still do all the running. Like he, I'll be honest, he used to flog me. Like, I yeah. was miles bowling. Yeah, he's an incredible athlete. So yeah. you came through. So in 90, I still say Malcolm Blight's coaching in 97 after the Crows had lost that first showdown, just to write 18 up on the on the whiteboard, is one of the great greatest ever coaching tactical mind games to have done. Guys, it's not the end of the world. There's 18 games to go. And it's, you know, Sean Wren came back the next week and it really worked. Oh, Bloody was just good because he he knew every facet of football. And um, and I think it's, it's rare probably that you get, sorry, uh, you get a coach that everyone actually just believe. You go, yeah, our body knows what he's talking about. So whatever he says kind of goes. Um, so it was one of them, you know, all throughout the year, body would say things. And, I mean, the best part was body, even at times, like, body can fire up oh. probably more than any other coach I've yeah. had. But, you know, if body overstepped the mark, he would actually come in and apologize. Sorry, boys, you know, that in my era, that's what we did. And um, probably overstepped it. And, and oh, you kind of respect him because – you knew he he's, he was doing things for the right reason and you knew where he was trying to get you. As I said, like, he taught me more than anyone else in terms of um, just general the general knowledge of football. 
Yeah, that's that's Matty. Yeah, I reckon Matty Robin describes him very well. If you could ignore the personal attacks, which some <coughs> which some people some players struggle with, he was the best teacher you had. And like you think back, yeah, no, to, said, to about Matty... how to tie your bootlaces up and just things like that. You just were so left field. You just wouldn't have thought wouldn't have thought of it. You know. Yeah, I mean, Matty's a perfect example of someone yeah. who it's kind of weird. I often say Matty could have been an all Australian centre half forward. Um, but Blighty made him play at centre-half, you know, stay and play at centre-half because that's what the team needed him to do. Yeah. And by doing that, we won two, pre- you know, yeah. we won two premierships. He's very strict um, in his game structure and obeyed yeah. that game bit where Matty was, had to stay in that inner, in that inner corridor and wasn't allowed to roam. And yeah, well, restrict, that's right. Matty could have taken him a 15 bit, marks yeah. a week yeah. between wing and half-back, yep. and everyone would have said how good, but it wouldn't have helped us win. So... Yeah. Um, so Matty did the right thing by, uh, you know, I've got well, so much respect for Matty because, yep. you know, the older you get, you understand the sacrifices other players make along the way. And it, it's kind of one of them things, you know, that was for Matty. He got his reward, which helped us all get a reward. But yeah. you kind of go, he could have been a glorified centre half forward. Oh, massively. That many marks because athletically he was, he was incredible. Athlete. And that was even after breaking his leg. Anyway, what, so we got... Sorry, was the uh, pitiful Pittman a uh, bit of notice for everybody there that was obviously quite public? Yeah, well, I kind of missed it. So I, I, we were playing Richmond and I had I was getting stitches at quarter time. So I kind of... I missed the whole the whole spray. I was, I was getting stitched up. So I, I missed that one. Obviously, got hurt all the backlash after yeah. the game. Yeah. But in terms of being there, I, yeah, I missed it all. I was getting stitched up. But did it did it put the players on notice though? Did it come out to training the next week going, oh geez, we we better uh, lift our game here? Oh, it's kind of I'm, it's always one of them things. It's yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit old, mate. You're you're always having a crack. If you're not having a crack, yeah, you're, you're kind of not going to get anywhere. So I, I mean, that's why getting sprays didn't bother me because I always yeah. figured I was having to go anyway. So yep. I mean, I've bloody had me a few sprays along the way. Um, and, oh, yeah, they definitely – the older you get, the less you worry about getting a spray. And then, if so, you're a young guy, they cause you a bit of grief. But yeah. um, when you, as you get older and you understand how things work, you know, you know where the coach is coming from. Yeah. Um, but you kind of go, yeah, I get you. And I probably might have to, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but they don't phase you too much. Yeah. And then so you – you came back, you got injured, and then you came back right towards the end of the year, played a game for Nord, and then came back in for the grand final. Yeah, no, I was, oh, I was just lucky. Um, yeah, I was just nicked a quad that was oh, – it wasn't even nicked. It was a precautionary one that they they'd just had the week off because we were going okay, and it was still hanging around the next week in the same spot, and it kind of got to the third week. Because if I'd done it properly, that was me, my season done. And then basically Norwood, I think, had to buy the last round, so I couldn't play. Then they finished top, so I couldn't play. And before you know it, I'd missed about five, six weeks. Yeah. Um, and I just happened to play. Well, Adelaide won the prelim on the Sunday, and that was what I came back and played played for Norwood against Port the next oh, yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. And then Modra got injured in the prelim, and you <laughs> And you came in for the grand final, so always, yeah, no, always no, said you were the glamour full forward, beefy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't really a like for like, um, but as I said, I was just you know it's one of those things. Um, 
or even in a prep, I remember doing all the work and, um, you know, with a hope that, you know, we get to finals and you get to play on it. So I, re- I remember, you know, there were times when you're just running by yourself and you're going, you know, I hope it's all worth it. But you kind of, how you prepare is the most important part of playing elite level. So I'd kind of done all the work. So I kind of, once I got there, I, while I wasn't phased, I knew I was kind of yep. match ready match ready to go even though I'd missed a fair chunk of footy. And you played well in the grand final after Jamison, you know, you played down back and yeah, it was like you hadn't missed a beat. Yeah, it was one of those, that's the only time I played in the back lines all year. Mm. I, yeah, I basically played as a midfielder and, you know, up forward. Um, but that's probably one of those things. Craigie, he started playing me in the back lines um, when he took over. So it was allowed me to kind of play you know, any, any position on the field. So, um, yeah, they threw me back in the second half mainly. And, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a pretty good day. Look, great day. But then your professionalism kicked in and you, you know, we'll get to your Hall of Fame speech, which I was privileged to be at. Um, you really wanted to play on a Nord flag and uh, you were switched on big time very early in the week, probably a tad more than... Uh, than the the certain Ruckman who managed to play them both. I think your preparation was a tad more (laughs) professional than than Keats. And And away you went. As I said, that was my my aim growing up was to play in a a premiership at Norwood. So, yeah, I was just lucky enough that I think we beat – Norwood beat Centrals on the um, Sunday. Sunday. So I remember watching that out at Wavell and, yeah, so, um, yeah, I'd, I'd had a few obviously on the Saturday and the Sunday and then, yeah, no, it was pretty easy. I just knocked, stopped on Sunday night and went to work Monday. And I remember we were, I reckon I was crutching sheep on the Monday and then went to train on Monday night and just had a normal week. So <laughs> missed out on all the celebrations. I don't think Keats did. So. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> but as, as I said, my, growing up, that's probably, people probably don't understand that. Yeah. But like Norwood's Premiership in some ways meant. Yes. Oh, it was, I always say it wasn't as big an achievement as perhaps the Adelaide ones, but in some ways it meant more because yeah. that was growing up. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so it's kind of a weird thing. I'm not, yeah, it definitely wasn't as big an achievement as, as the two Adelaide ones. But for me personally, getting to play with Roger and those type yes. of things, that was um, – it was – yeah, it probably had a different feeling to it. The, the cherry on the top. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, as I said, it was pretty, good. It was a pretty good couple of weeks. With uh, with just going back to the Adelaide Premiership, there uh, Shane Allen obviously up forward. Was that a, something that had been pre-planned during the week, or is that uh, something that came about last minute? No, no, Blighty kind of done it during the week. I, yeah. I've heard Blighty talk about it. He said he watched Shane Shane o play at full forward a couple of times for South, um, and he thought he led at the footy. Um, pretty well, so it was kind of one of those, yeah, a little bit out of the box. I mean, it's kind of weird. I think Shane might have kicked one. Kicked two at full one. forward and three from a half-back but he flank. Kicked, yeah, he kicked most of them from down back. Yeah. Yeah, he kicked most of them when he shifted down to half-back, which he generally, where he generally played. Um, yeah, so, no, as I said, Shane had a... It's quite bizarre that he kicked... Everyone says, oh, what a great move playing Allen at full forward and yep. kick five. Well, no, he actually kicked three playing on a half-back flank. So, yeah. yeah. What yeah. what was it like, uh, Darren? Watching Darren Jarman go to go to work. Well, we'd watched uh, the, the week before. It was a bit the same. We were, we were watching, obviously, when they played the Bulldogs. It was yeah. a bit the same. We'd kind of conceded defeat and put the white flag up about three quarter time. We were watching 
all the injured guys were watching at Football Park, and we'd almost thought, oh, where are we going for Mad Monday? Like, yeah. Perhaps we were all, that was a chat at the time, you know, what's going to happen? We might as well start organising Mad Monday because we are six or seven down, yeah. you know, with not much to go. And then Charles just did what he did and, you know, got us over the line, and he did it again basically the next week. Yeah. Was he as laconic on the practice track as he was on the ground? Oh, it seemed he was quite laconic on the ground. Uh, yeah, he was. Like Jars, yeah, he was. He was very. But he was also the most competitive. If you play anything for, like, Jars are serious. But if there was, you're just mucking around. It, it was just muck around. But like once you you start playing for keeps, Jars was yeah, pretty serious with things. But yeah. yeah, he liked playing. I wouldn't say he liked training, but no. once you start playing. Charles was, Charles was, yeah, he was there to play. Yeah, no, I was at Crow's training one day and down there, and yeah, he did make a couple of comments to me. He wasn't, he wasn't into training, but so he um, was. He's one of the few people that could probably have that attitude. You know, yes, like yeah. us average, us average guys. If we went out there with that attitude, we we wouldn't be even close. Is so it, his his ability was just ridiculous. Isn't it amazing that Blighty had the same sort of relationship with um, uh, Darren Jarman as he did with uh, Gary Ablett Senior? Yeah, about the training. It, it's just amazing that he allowed that to happen the way it, it evolved, and those guys got the oh, best I mean, out of themselves. I, I mean, Jars. I mean, Fudd did everything. Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Didn't really like. He yeah. just did what he had to do. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, I, as I said, I think Gary he might have missed a, missed, a, missed a few sessions. But yeah. like I said, Fudd would never miss sessions. No. He always did everything. But I wouldn't say he liked kicking the footies. He, I wouldn't say he liked running, but he liked kicking the footies. And anything to do with playing, he loved. Yeah, he was um, yeah that's a better description. But, he was just, yeah, just he wasn't a footy nut in terms of doing extra. Yeah, but, geez, in terms of skills... He'd still practice kicking for goals till the cows come mm-hmm. in, but not just the otherwise. And move on, and then '98, you you uh, you know, because Nord, you weren't playing yet, you you had the chance to probably soak that one in and enjoy it a bit more. Yeah, I did. We had the full had the full week of had the full week where yeah, we got to sit back and you know really enjoy what we'd done. So um, yeah, yeah I know. Probably the first. A few of us said we the one that. First one, I don't think you really appreciated what you you done like initially, um, and then it was, um, and then you got back to Adelaide and you went, wow, it was, was pretty special. I'd love to do that again and probably soak it up and you know appreciate a few different things, you know, and to be able to do it the next year was um, yeah just something you dream about. You don't expect it to happen, so you kicked. Um, but yeah. he kicked an incredible goal in the prelim final and. Uh, Few Western Bulldog supporters of trying to say where it had come out of the lemon and sars, and yeah, let's just say a few of us were Nord supporters, and we 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 put uh, put them back in the in the spot, beefy, and just let them remind it was just just a red leg magic coming out, mate. No, nah, it was us, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was us, mate. I put it on, I threw it on the. I mean, you know where the goals yeah, are, but yeah. you just throw it on the boot and cross your fingers, and it just it, when you have them days, it went through. So, um, nah, don't worry, yeah, we, I, we just like wanted to play along with it. Yeah, no, we just played along with it. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> we we used it to our utmost advantage. And yep. then, yeah, so move, moving on, probably I think that really surprised us that your career at Adelaide sort of came to really a bizarre, abrupt hold. It didn't seem to make much sense from the outside with 2000. Um, no, we just probably a bit like sure. just changed your coach. And I was at that 27, 20, and it's one of, I always say, 
whenever you speak to anyone, I go, once you hit 27, 28 and you're a five foot 10 midfielder or pretty much anyway, if you're 27, 28 and you're not a real, like one of the top like superstars and you're, if your team's not going anywhere, you're in a bit of strife. Yeah. They're, they're going to be playing young kids. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit, I mean, I'm, I kind of knew like that, but as I said, my, my form and all that was, yeah, I, yeah. When, when you're playing, it doesn't make much sense to you, but I understand how they set up lists and yeah. and do all that stuff. Um, but in terms of how I was going, I was playing kind of, um, yeah, my, my form was as solid as it had been in every other year. So. And then you went back to went back to Nord and just dominated in terms of best and fairest in 02, 03 and 05. Captain 02 to 06, but unfortunately there wasn't much team success. Beefy, it was a frustrating time as a Nord as uh, as a Nord person, mate. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, when I first got my first couple of years back, we were around the mark. Um, but I mean, there was a couple of pretty like certain Central Central were pretty good teams, and like that, so and they just knocked us over in, in a prelim, and um, we're probably oh, not stiff. They beat us pretty comfortably, but we were we were kind of a pretty old, an older group probably by then. And then once we got beaten in the prelim, a heap of guys <clears throat> stopped, and then yeah, there was a then we bottomed out a bit for the next few years. I was yeah, it was. It was just one of those yeah, tough years. We had some good players. We just probably didn't have enough depth. Um, that was probably our biggest issue. And then you returned to Kersbrook. And really, we could virtually do another whole interview on Kersbrook because you've played you've played 240-odd games. For, you played 234 games for, for uh, Nord, 118 AFL games. Now, I, I did try and do some Google. I, the Kersbrook page I found pretty hard to navigate today. And you, you were 221 when I wrote the article on you. So what was – do you know what your end games tally was at Kersbrook? I didn't play much the last few years. Um, no, I would have been 230 or 40 probably, so somewhere, you, somewhere along those lines. So you've ended up on 500 – so you've ended up on about 585 to 590 senior games of football. It's pretty – Yeah, it's I'm an incredible – I would have cracked – I would have cracked six hundred because I probably played like I played a bit of reserves at Collingwood and yeah um, yeah and and my first year I played eight or ten eight seven or eight games in it so yeah I probably would have I would have cracked six hundred easy enough. Now there's probably so. another two that we've got to add to that. Uh, you were involved in the 1998 State of Origin and 1990 State of Origin teams. Yeah, well, as I said personally, they're probably my I I kind of hold them up as my personal biggest achievements that I had, like making those two teams. Like yeah. once again, when you're yep. young when you're a young kid growing up and in the eighties you, you go, gee, I want to be able to play a state of origin. So to be able to do that for a couple of times, um, yeah, like personally I, as a milestone for like something that I was aiming at, to tick those off was a pretty big highlight for me. Who was your favourite player to play with in that in those state of origin years, say in nineteen ninety eight? Because obviously you get to play with a few players from other clubs. Who who was yeah, the one well, that stood out for you? Well, I just it's kind of weird because Craig Bradley was a Port player, so you know how you go, oh, he can't be a good bloke. Yeah, he was yeah. like, and he was an old veteran, and I played on him, and he just run non-stop. But and to chat to him, he was the nicest bloke ever. So yeah, I always yeah. say, out of all the, he was fantastic to talk to. Yep. Now back on the Kersbrook, so five flags. Is that correct, Beefy? Yep. Yep. So yep. five flags, fifteen years. 
So, as I said, 240-odd games. You know, and the James with Paul, with Paul kicked a lot of goals as well. And, of course, Roger kicked 20-odd one game as well. So it was a real James family and a family, you know, obviously you're involved as the fifth-generation apple farm there, huge part yeah. of Kersbrook. So that obviously, you know, meant just a hell of a lot as well. And I really wanted to emphasise that because, you know, in terms of how much the Kersbrook Footy Club means to the James family. Yeah, well, I mean, we were, I mean, we were lucky enough that when we left, when we were, oh, well, left for kind of to a degree left, stopped playing there. I think my last game because he was, well, what was it under? Understand, I was fourteen, I think, when I left, and then started playing at Nord. You know, the next year, so I didn't go back. I was, I played my first game, so I think, eight game for Kersey when I was thirty-five or heading towards thirty-six that year or something. So. um I always said I was going to go back. It just took a long, longer than I thought. You know, probably when I left as a 15-year-old, I didn't think it would take that long to get back. But, you know, I had a pretty good – had a lot of fun along the way. And, yeah, got back and, yeah, just enjoyed being, you know, you play footy because it's good fun and you get to spend time with your mates. So I kind of got to do that at the end. And being elevated the Nord Hall of Fame night, as I said, privileged, and I mean that word very much so, to be there that night – and it really came out in how emotional you were to become a lead, you know, become a member of the Nord Hall of Fame and the '97 flag, and that your speech that night was absolutely superb, Brett. Yeah, as I said, it's I don't know, it's just one of them things you kind of don't expect. That, yeah, you play footy because you you know you love it. You don't kind of expect accolades like that. As I said, it was um, you know it's one of those things that just comes along. Um, but yeah. I, as I've said a lot of times, I was a I was a Nord fanatic growing up. So anything to do with the Nord Footy Club, I was always pretty happy, you know, pretty happy to be around the place. So yeah, that type of an accolade was kind of was the icing on the cake. I did I did keep reminding Brett that night with, that he was married to Alicia that he was going to star in the next episode of Batting Above His Weight too. And look, we did have a bit of fun on Saturday too, Beefy. You're um, you know, you're runner for Nord under 16s and. I knew yeah. Archie was playing, and I admit that's the first game I'd seen Archie play, and I didn't realise how tall Archie was. So how did that happen? Yeah, and no, I get, and I get, yeah, and I, so I'm walking along, you know, in the member stand, and and so I see Brett, and I've I've gone blood test, and Beefy's just turned and gone, lucky he's got my mannerisms, Ma- Malcolm, and there there was some shocked look on these Nord supporters' faces, like how dare <laughs> someone say that. Not knowing that I know Alicia, get on really well with Alicia. Alicia, Brett's, Brett's wife, I love it. And she is pissing herself laughing and she's gone, height comes from the grandparents' side, Malcolm, and sat down and spoke to Alicia and all that. And people then realised, no, he does actually know the James family well enough to use that line. Yes, so it was it was a bit of fun on Saturday, mate. Yeah, no, he's, oh, yeah, he's definitely, yeah, he's a lot bigger than I am. So, um, yeah, I wish I, I'll, I'll be honest, I wish I had his build. Yeah, it would, no, have, no, he, would have made life a lot easier rather than being the runt everywhere. No, he, being the runt of the litter. He was he was good on Saturday too, and I thought I thought that's the best I've seen our 16s play for the year on Saturday too. So I th- yeah, 16s are very, well, we, were, we were really really good. We were talking about um, pressure, and and that's the first time they've really been able to do it for four quarters. So it was it was a really good result, and I hopefully we learn a bit from it. Did- and now we just got to wait and see with the college changeover. So there's. Probably be ten or so changes to the sides this week, at least. So yeah, the next few weeks. Yeah, things change a bit. Yeah. 
Mate, we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, I've done my homework on some of your coaches that you've been involved with, and boy, oh boy, it's a star-studded lineup: uh, Neil Craig, Russell Ebert, Graham Corns, Tony Shaw, Lee Matthews, Neil Balm, and Malcolm Blight. That's a pretty fair resume, mate. Yeah, well, I think yeah, I've, well, but I made uh, I've, I've made the um, the SA Hall of Fame. And that was one of, in my speech, that's what I actually spoke about. I go, when you kind of grow up, you yeah. saw these absolute legends of the of the um, SNFL and to be actually, to go through it and uh, I think, I'd, like, Barry Robin was the team manager or not team manager, select main selector when Slightly, I first played yeah. for South Australia. Like, things like that, you get to meet them and, and, and all that. So, like, to meet all those people, it's just, you pinch yourself and, and that, it's kind of, was funny. They're all fantastic people. Um, you know, like all, my, all the contact I had with all of them, though, you just go, they, you know, they could play footy and they're just really good blokes. Um, so that's kind of out of footy. You kind of you pinch yourself some of the people you get to meet. Would you pick one out of all of them that you bonded with the best? Um, it's kind of weird. Probably, I mean, we had a fair bit of success with Blighty. I was like, Craig and Blighty probably taught me the most in regards to footy. Um, I know the as well. Peter Rhodes should have got a, men- a yep. better a mention yep. there as well. Yep. Yeah, see, like, I, I played obviously the premiership with him, but I, because I, yeah, I was at Adelaide, yeah, I only played yeah, that's true. Yeah, a handful. Of, I played four games or something, I think, yeah. in Rhodey. I was just lucky that he only needed three, three to qualify. qualify. Or something. Yeah. So I think, yeah, so I, I can't, I could never, never judge Rhodey too much because he, when, he, when you came in, he said, just play yeah. um, to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as I said, probably Blighty and Craigie taught me the most. And I said, in terms, Blighty's just, he treats footy like it's footy. He just knows how it all works. And um, and uh, probably if you spoke to me, I'd be saying all the things Blighty says to a degree because it, that's who I listen to the most, probably. Yep, that's fair. And and obviously you're coaching at, at Kersbrook. Were you able to use some of those uh, speeches and tactics from some of those great guys? Yeah, I mean, that's... I always say the best way to coach is actually to teach. I mean, if you teach your players, then they, you kind of, you're trying to, to a degree, put yourself out of a job. Like if you, if your players understand what to do in all the situations, that's that means you, you're coaching, um, you're coaching well. So I always said that with, you know, Blighty probably taught me little, little things that you need to do, you know, starting points and all that type of stuff. So. That, when I coach, I used to do the same thing to my players. I'd be trying to teach them so they actually knew the game. Once you know the game, you kind of understand when it works for you and when it doesn't and what you're getting wrong. So I think that's probably the, the best thing by you. Because he taught you the game, when things didn't work for you, you kind of knew why. When it did, you kind of could understand why things and probably helped you adjust um, along the way. Oh, Brett, greatly appreciated, mate. Um, no problem. Look forward to catching up. Uh, I'll probably catch up with you on Sunday as well. So, yep. And uh, thank you. And we'll, we'll certainly try and uh, annoy Rog to get him on as well. So, greatly appreciate nah, it, Beefy. Good. Thanks, mate. No problem. No worries. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Bro. Have a good one. Please like, rate, and subscribe. And, mate, we've just had Brett James on, and uh, wasn't that fantastic that he gave us a little bit of insight? And I suppose the best story that came out of that, that he'd signed to come back to Adelaide from Collingwood and uh, thought he was playing with his brother, and lo and behold, he ends up at the Crows and now a premiership player, a dual premiership player. 
Yeah, three days. He thought he was a port player. So, yeah, no, I, I love that story. And, uh, yeah, who's to there's not benefits out of drinking. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a bit hard to sign something when you're on an end-of-season oh, footy trip, isn't yeah, it? Gold. Uh, we did cover right at the end there that some of those coaches that uh, that – that he yeah, that he, he had as coaches, he played who. under as who's who's in, didn't he? Yeah, Matthews, Blight, Cray, yeah, Balm, yeah, some huge names. They're definitely up there on that what we call that Mount Rushmore mm. every now and then of absolutely stalwarts of the game of footy, uh, AFL football. That is. Now we've had Brett. We will. I will work and chase up uh, Lord Voldemort, Roger James. All right, as let, well. I'll leave that in your yes. capable hands. All right, let's go on to happy days. <laughs> Happy days. And we kick off happy days with happy birthday to Nick Natanui. Uh, thought I'd chuck this one in here. West Coast Eagles player drafted uh, number two in the 2008 draft. Has currently played 213 games in his 15-year career. Yet to register a game in 2023. But a brilliant 2021 and 20, uh, 2020 and 2021. A great player, but you sort of forget he's still on their list. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, Incredible, probably his main asset was he was so good at roving his own ruck tap. So he was to go up and ruck and then be the midfielder as well. Yep. So he was just totally unique in that regard. Did and he change football in a way that, that uh, ruckmen these days are much more athletic and seen as much more athletic because of the way that he attacked the ball? Maybe a little bit, but I, while Grundy and um, Gorn more so yep. are good at that, I think he was another class above in terms of Roving, do his own ruck work and rove his own mm-hmm. tap. So he was unique as well. Absolutely. Uh, obviously uh, managed eight games last season due to some knee problems. Um, at, uh, you know, at no time soon he'll be adding to his 213 games. Um, some honest and transparent conversations with the West Coast at the moment surrounding the future of him. I mean, given the situation they're in at the moment, they could certainly really do with a player like Nick, Nat- Nick Natanui being back on the list. Yes, back playing. Yes, but I, I think they're going to be down in the doldrums for a while. You, you'd think you've got Natanui, Hearn, McGovern, Shuey. There's some guys who are just, whose injury records for now, for quite a long time, yep. it's been terrible. So you just, you really can't see them coming back. Gaff. Yep. You know, it's, yeah. Does that get down to their fitness staff uh, getting it wrong, or is it just a case of that they just haven't prepared as well as they probably should have? Maybe there's. All contributing, but you, yeah, list management probably hasn't been as good either. Yeah, you pandemic wonder, didn't help. Yes, yep, that's probably part a part of it. You wonder if their recovery's been good enough. So yep. yeah, yeah, probably a combination of a lot of things. Absolutely. All right, we move on. Cricket, mate. Nineteen seventy-eight. Uh, the West Indies all but set to lose a test to Australia at Kingston until the riots came about. Good tactic to lose. We should have been doing that as Nord supporters the last three weeks, you know. <laughs> right, we're fit 10 minutes to go. So get out of this. Absolutely. Uh, the sanctions, unfortunately, would probably yeah, be just, pretty high. Just but quietly. Totally understand. Uh, this week in 2015, Chelsea wins the 2014-15 English Premier League. Yeah, they were a great side there for a while. Um, mind you, how much money was involved in getting them there, it's... I've always got a bit it's of a bitter hard, taste yeah. about Premier League in that regard, but yeah, they were they were incredible, but so they bloody should have been as well. A lot of sports obviously don't have salary caps, yeah. uh, and it's very interesting that yeah. uh, 
the amounts of money that gets spent on some of these English players is, is huge. Oh. It's a bit like basketball and, yeah. and, and American football, NFL, and baseball as well. So, yeah, you just scratch your head and you're ineffectively buying premierships, aren't yeah. you? So, yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, baseball uh, 2002. Barry Bond hits his 400th home run as a uh, San Francisco Giant in a three-win, three-zero win over Cincinnati. Bonds is the first player with 400 homers for the one team and 100 for another team. Incredible. That is amazing. The statistics on baseball, especially with hitters, uh, if they're going at 30%, they're actually deemed successful. Daryl Harper's cup of tea. The Harps, well, I'm sure he he'll be all over message. that one. I reckon Harps will message us uh, for including that. I, he'll, be, I, he'll be very happy that that was included. And I know he's a bit of a Red Sox oh. man, and we're actually off the bottom of the AL East yes. at the moment, and the Yankees are below us. So I'm as happy as Larry that that's happening at the moment, but there's a long way to go in the season. And to finish off, mate, I thought it's pretty topical at the moment with the NBA Finals, and we'll cover that a little bit next week as well. Um, in 2015, Golden State Warrior Steph Curry named MVP for the 2014-15 season. And Steph Curry's probably yeah the flavour of the again. month as well. 50 points in Game 7. Uh, first time that's ever happened over the age of 30. Or There's that many stats that's happened. Incredible. So, yeah. Um, appropriate that Steph Curry's me- mentioned, mentioned well tonight. At the yeah, and with the finals being on. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we'll cover that in more depth next week. All right, mate, let's scoot into the extra time. Extra time. Big finish. All right, let's roll through these pretty quickly, mate. Uh, some umpiring decisions on the weekend in the AFL left us all sort of scratching our head once again. I thought it was probably appropriate to bring it up in this segment. I couldn't. I actually had Razor Ray was on SCN today, and Flabbergast. I only had a prang listening to him where he tried to say that the umpire in the clash between uh, Murray and Fogarty, Fogarty yes. tried to say he was perfectly positioned. Well. No, you dope. No, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. If he had been, he would have been totally side onto the contest. Seen the hair, seen the the contact, uh, the contact yes. too high, and paid the free kick. Yep. Now it was only a free kick. There wasn't a report. People no, were trying no. to say ever since. No, no. A few people have said that, and I couldn't. Michelangelo Rucci nearly caused me to have a prank as well. Um, yes. I think if Fogarty takes his eye off the ball, yes, yes I yes, think you probably got eye, justified yeah. to maybe question whether there's a report there. But you had two guys committed, yeah, eyes on the ball. ball. It was a football collision. Totally get it. But the umpire, I thought, was actually in perfect position to give no, it. He but wasn't it was the quite out side of... on. He wasn't. He, he needed to be. But it, it's only got to be one or two steps. Right. To not be in the perfect position. When someone does an umpire, looks at that and goes, yeah, he was right. No, he wasn't. Yep. He was still needed to be two right. steps back further, and he got a bit too close. Right. He got out of the – he got his angles wrong. Right. So – So that's sort of – that's understandable. Yep. And then basically in the same instance – This the, is the stinker. This the, is an the, error in law. The goey yes. could have Terrible taken decision. the ball and probably taken all three people out that yeah. were walking off the ground. Shocking Decides to sort of – kick it along the ground and just dribble it and go, oh, I'm not going anywhere yeah. near it, and a, a deliberate out-of-bounds is paid against him, that one made me no. scratch my head too. No, that's an error in law. That was really poor umpiring. Do you think the umpires in general had a bit of a bad week across the board? Yeah, I, they I did. Know we don't want no, to, they did. There I know no... we don't want to bash umpiring, and, and we, we understand that there's a tough job to do, 
But it just sort of felt across the entire weekend there was some decisions that left us scratching ahead. Hence yeah, the reason and why I, I put it don't on the think they've got the positioning right for the, for the four, four umpires, umpires with yep. a, with a turnover and this stupidity of wanting an ump, umpires out wide so they don't collide in players. Well, it means you get in the wrong position, mm-hmm. so you're not side on. And with the position, I know I've mentioned it before, you can be in the back player out by the boundary. The ball switched over the far side. And you can't even, on a motorbike, you won't get in the yep. right spot. So it's just so dumb. Yep. And spoke about it with Bob Schofield uh, and that, and yeah, we're just both shaking our heads. And Is that an adjustment period to the four umpires that they've got to get used to? Or is it still a matter of positioning that positioning. needs to be better? It's positioning. Okay, totally understandable. Hopefully we don't have to bring it up again. I'm sure that uh, the, uh, the, the people that be uh, in some of those umpiring positions will make some slight adjustments. And we all know that, the first couple of weeks, or in this case, first five or six weeks, it is a bit of an adjustment yeah. period with all the rules and et cetera, et cetera. So we'll keep a bit of an eye on that, but uh, hopefully we don't have to bring it up. Yeah, and again. they didn't have a great game in Sydney in Sydney either. So, yeah, it was a poor weekend of umpiring. Yep, that's okay. Mate, a bit of fun here. Um, we're going to have a bit of fun with a trade, re-sign or retire. And my three players that I've put on the list tonight, Dyson Heppel, Michael Walters and Rory Sloan. Yeah, I did see this one out and about. Look, I think it depends where the teams finish up at the end. Now, if Eston keep improving and Heppel comes through, and the, at the moment you're going retire for Dyson Heppel. Yep. That's the comment at the moment. Well, who's to say he doesn't come good and then? Because mm-hmm. I thought Rory Sloan mm-hmm. really struggled the first couple of games. I thought, geez, nah, yep. the game's caught up. Yep. And yet he's been very good the last month. So I, I reckon it's too early. Yep. At the moment, you're going, Heppel retire, re-sign Sloan and see where Frio finished to maybe trade Walters. But that could tr- dramatically change from here. Absolutely. But, yeah. So uh, Mine is probably re-sign Rory. I think that his value as a mentor to Adelaide is, yeah. is more value that he is there. Uh, obviously having a year off with a knee injury has probably reinvigorated yep. him a little bit, so there's probably a little bit there. Uh, I'm probably trading Dyson Heppel. Um, I think he's got some currency still, especially yeah. for a team like G- uh, GWS yeah, maybe, or uh, Gold Coast. I think Gold Coast, that got mentioned at the start, and then that didn't happen yet. I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether anyone will look at him. And so. Walter's as exciting, and he he's... Directing a bit of traffic at Freer, I just don't know whether he's that same mentor as what, say, Rory Sloan is to the Crows. Yeah. So that's probably where my head's at with that one there. All right, mate. Um, this one's for all sports. Uh, once again, uh, racism. It has to stop. Uh, it's brought about again uh, by the AFL a few weeks ago with um, Jamara Hagen from the Western Bulldogs. Yeah. We've just had one for the NRL this week. Uh, this has to stop. This is just wrong. Yeah, we all agree it's it's totally wrong. It's obscene, it's barbaric, it's idiotic, etc. Mm-hmm. But I'm buggered how you stop it. Absolutely. But it's education. It really just needs that education. But I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. How do we stop it? Well, you've got that. And then you've got this idiotic booing of, of Horn Francis yeah. at the moment. You know, it's just sheep mentality. It's just, it's just so dumb. Uh, yeah, we definitely need to stop what's going on uh, at any level of sport. Doesn't matter whether it's uh, local uh, local teams playing uh, here in SA or all around the country, uh, up to the uh, AFL and the, and the champions uh, status of some of those clubs. You just need to stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we move on, mate. Um, 
the AFL, uh, the ink is barely dried on the 19th team in Tasmania. We did bring this up a couple of weeks ago. I just wanted to touch base on it a little bit now. Where and logical with the 20th team be? I thought it was really interesting where the guy who's been the main person who did the study on at uh, on double A tonight and all that, where he was very, very upright going, well, no, the 20 teams are a long way away. So, look, I, Canberra or far Western Australia are the two spots. Mm-hmm. Northern Territory just purely because the time of the year yep. is the problem. It's not a team up there. We'd love to have a team up there. Yep. Purely the Aboriginal talent up there. Oh, it'd be scary, wouldn't it? How good good it would be. But whether that can then work with the weather, that's the one if iffy there, Mm -hmm. and then then it becomes the other two. Yep. So Uh, obviously we we talked about Tasmania being you know almost thirty years of trying to get in and per head of population is probably something that uh, and participation is something that they had to take into account in Tasmania. We did talk about Northern Territory there, but I think the most logical one is either in far nor uh, what would it be far northern Western West Australia. Australia. Yeah, there seems thoughts. to be a bit of a consortium that may be coming to the party there. They do have the population for that, and also the infrastructure to to make that happen. Uh, we did uh, follow on from what Norwood uh, was bandied around at the beginning of the season that they may be an opportunity for the twentieth team, but again, it just gets down to. Um, you know, bit of per head of population and obviously money. Yep, yep, Huge. very much so. All right, we'll leave that one there and yeah. we'll keep an eye on that one anyway. Mate, uh, coaching, we'll stick with the AFL, coaching changes at the end of the year. Port Adelaide, I've put down three clubs that could potentially change. Port Adelaide, Richmond, West Coast, and the other one that I didn't put on our list is probably uh, Gold Coast. Yeah, look, I think Port, we've just got to still wait and see. At the moment, you'd say Hinkley will end up getting another, but you just got to wait and see what happens. I, th- I think Hardwick may depart, Richmond. I think they might go, well, hey, it's time for a fetch voice. Okay. Yeah, I do th- and I, I do think Simpson will end up leaving West Coast. I okay. reckon. I pr- I, if I, as a betting man out of those, I'm probably going West Coast 1, yep. Richmond 2, Port or 3. Maybe, maybe even Port a little bit closer, right. depending on what happens. Let me throw you a bit of a curveball here, and I'm not yep. sure I, I haven't listened to yep. a lot of yep. programs, but I'm going to say out of these four clubs, they're all going to have new coaches next year. But those four clubs, apart from one of those clubs, is going to have a current AFL head coach. So my thinking is Ken Hinckley will go to Gold Coast. I think that is a distinct possibility. I think Damien Hardwick will end up at Port Adelaide. I think that is a distinct possibility. And I think Adam Simpson will end up at Richmond. I reckon that's a maybe. Done. I'm glad we're sort of half thinking on the same wavelength there. But I just see that is what's playing out a little bit at the moment. And I think if Port Adelaide are keen on obviously bringing in a a coach that is a little bit different in in style and tactic, I think that Hardwick is going to get the best out of the current Port Adelaide group, whereas Kenny is getting the best out of them now. But I just don't see him taking them that one step further. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, it's a maybe. I, I, I think it's actually interesting. I, I wonder who whether, um, I sus- suspect Bass and Carr are doing it together in the box, and mm-hmm. Hinkley now down on the boundary line. I, that seems to be working. Yep. But then, do we go a little bit overboard now? If the kick from Sydney carries half a meter more, yes, Western Bulldogs that one chip over the top works. Yes, 
So suddenly they've lost two or three more. It's mm-hmm. completely different. So to quote the great coach, the best coach I've been involved with, John Griffin, that it's a fine line between pleasure and pain. Absolutely. And you look at who they've beaten as well, yeah. that you know they beat up on West Coast, which most teams are probably going to do a bit at the moment. And Adelaide kick straight, they're top at the moment. So it is such a fine line. Yeah, sliding doors moments. Yep. And uh, to finish us off, mate, SNFL, uh, a tribunal, big band for a big bump uh, in yeah. the Nord Glenelg game at six games. Brady Searle, it, it, it is a terrible bump. Now, the only thing I will give him is that Saunders, Jack Saunders did fumble it, so he was a little bit further down. Yep. But it was clumsy. It was clumsy. As Jeff Wilson said to me, he said, that's going back to the 80s. Mm-hmm. That's an 80s thing, and that that's gone. I cannot believe that Glenelg have appealed it. Yep. I am stunned that Glenelg have appealed it. Could they get any more because they have appealed it? Well, I I don't I don't think they do, but I I reckon if they did, they wouldn't have appealed. Yeah, actually, on, on no, you can actually you can actually they're saying at right. level. Yeah, that's right because that's why Nord accepted uh, binders two instead of he would have got three. Yep. They're gone. So, yeah, that is true. So, yeah. It could look, actually backfire. I, I mean, it's not a great look. No. If you've I seen honestly, the footage, it wasn't it, a great it's look. It's horrific. Yeah. I actually hope he does get extra because I think it's absolutely dumb to appeal it. Don't – why can't we go, no, I did the wrong thing. Jeez, I stuffed up. And he knew it too. Yeah. I mean, you look at the footage. Oh, it's horrendous. He hit him and the hands were up yeah. straight away going, oh, look, I've completely yeah. excused the French here. Fuck this one up. Oh, and, you know, you could see Boy Boydie's reaction where – it wasn't a case to go and build. I think Bordy was that stunned. Yeah, just, it was sort his of eyes like, were popping I, I, out of his head. I've got like, to remonstrate uh, a little bit, but I can't. Can't believe. I can't believe he's, he's done, done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I, as I said, I'm stunned. Glenelg are appealing, and yeah, I hope he does get extra. So I'm being honest. That's fine, and uh, that's what we're here to talk yep. about, mate. And I, like I said, I saw the footage, uh, oh, and I was terrific. just absolutely stunned. Yes, the, the the young fella did the wrong thing, but um, yeah, that stuff uh, we know we've seen it at AFL level. We know that it can't be done, and it was just a clumsy act that oh. uh, doesn't belong in the footy field. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. We'll report back on that yeah. one next week and see how it goes. All right, mate, we've come to an end of a huge episode once again. We thank Brett James for his time tonight uh, in our Past Players, Past Legends interview. And um, as per usual, mate, uh, we promise to do better. And also this week, may the 4th be with you. Yes, and look, for those people who have a crack that it's too much Nord stuff, well, I reckon purely getting the story how Brett ended up at Adelaide instead of Port was worth it. Yeah, Absolutely. And we do actually have some names on our list that we're going to follow we up with. We are trying to get other people. There's been twice in the last month where we did have people from other clubs lined up and they pulled out. Well, I go to Nord, Nord off the bank for a couple of people there just to quickly there. So, yeah, there has been... Other things have happened. Absolutely. We're hoping to get a couple of Port, port yeah. Adelaide Magpies uh, past players. Um, and uh, we're going to have a bit of a look and see if we can get some Sturt players as yeah. well and, and go from there. Yep. Um, mate, it's been a pleasure once again. We thank you all. Like we said, we'll do better next week. Thanks, mate. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.